Attention. If you owe the IRS, this is an important announcement. COVID relief is over and the IRS is ramping up like never before, sending out millions of collection letters to start 2024. Do you owe $10,000 or more or have unfiled returns? Now is the time to act. The IRS can garnish your wages, seize your property, and they can even take your home or your business. Don't let the IRS take advantage of you. It's time to call Tax Network USA. Their team of experienced tax lawyers has already saved over $1 billion in tax debt for their clients. They know how to negotiate with the IRS and can help you too. Visit TNUSA.com or call 1-800-245-6000. Again, that's 1-800-245-6000. Don't wait until it's too late. Take control of your tax situation today with Tax Network USA. 1-800-245-6000. Call now. For whatever reason, uh, the establishment media, they don't care too much about us, podcasters and online shows. And it's probably because we're not nearly as big as a lot of people think we are. If you're watching shows like this, you assume we are the big show, but we're probably not. Probably not. Tucker Carlson, he's a big show. But then again, he's a big show mostly among the older crowd. And his, uh, his audience in the key demo is actually comparable to ours a little bit more. That's why I think it's interesting that he's getting so much heat over what's going on, but I, but I get it. He's a big cable TV news primetime host who put out definitive proof showing that the January 6th committee, Democrats and the media were lying about what happened on January 6th. They began lying about what Tucker Carlson actually said and reported on. And now we have Chuck Schumer complaining about it, Elon Musk roasting him and Democrats, and we actually have The View saying what Tucker Carlson did should be illegal. <laughs> Just want to point out, to all the people who say things like civil war is not possible or whatever, you have right now 150 far left extremists who, who just laid siege to a government facility, firebombed it. I would call that an insurrection. 23 were captured. Some were not from this country. One was a lawyer from a large nonprofit. And now we have Stacey Abrams nonprofit advocating people join the terror campaign in Atlanta. I don't hear the Democrats complaining about that at all. It's because you're in a cold civil war and you're losing. I'm not trying to, be, to, to bring a black pill to your day, but the reality is if the establishment press media, governmental institutions are ignoring the fact that far left extremists are firebombing government facilities, shot a cop, put him in the hospital, and they've been doing this for over two years. Many of them have been arrested as domestic terrorists. And instead they say, remember two years ago when a bunch of people went and fought in front of the Capitol and then behind it, the cops let a bunch of people in. Yeah, that's the end of the world. When they lie about what really happened on January 6th with the peaceful side where people were let in by cops who opened the doors and fanned them in. That's reporting from CNN, mind you. When they lie about that and completely ignore what the far left is doing, I got to say, the institutions are captured. The narrative is being set and history is moving in that direction. So we got to do what we got to do. I mean, we got to talk about it. We got to share these stories. We got to keep make we got to make sure we're telling all our friends and family and we push back. And that means, look, come 2024, you got to pull out all the stops. You got to make sure everybody goes out and votes. Ballot harvesting seems to be the key. Make sure everybody's in and working as hard as they can to get those votes out and make a difference. We're going to talk about this plus a whole lot more. Joining us today, or I should say, before we do, head over to TimCast.com. Become a member by clicking that Join Us button. My birthday's tomorrow. So if you want to get me a gift, become a member at TimCast.com by clicking the Join Us button. We're going to have a members-only, uncensored show coming up tonight. They go live around 10, 10 p.m. at TimCast.com. And also, 
In the description below, we now have pre-orders for the new song we will be releasing later this month. I believe it'll be coming out on the 24th of March. If you want to support our work, help us get our fourth song to chart on Billboard so we can keep sticking it to the man and taking over the cultural spaces, click the link in the description below to pre-order Bright Eyes by Timcast. But uh, when it comes out, it'll be easier to find the link. We decided to put it up now so that y'all can pre-order if you really wanted to. But again, uh, become a member at TimCast.com. Smash that like button. Subscribe to this channel. Share the show with your friends. Joining us tonight to talk about this and so much more is Brandon Strzok. Hey, you're Pisces. I am, indeed. I just looked it up. Yep, the peak of Pisces, March 9th. Happy birthday. Thank you, sir. That's awesome. As I will be 37. I'm, I'm flattered that you've invited me to be your birthday guest. Well, the birthday's tomorrow. Well, but close enough. Birthday Eve. <laughs> your birthday Eve guest. It was actually going to be Matt Walsh. Was it? Yeah, but something came up, unfortunately. This is why we don't like to announce Tomorrow? guests. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't like to announce guests because then when something happens, it's like, oh, sorry, I disappoint you, everybody. You know, I can't right, it. right, right. It would have been awesome, though. Matt Walsh, we would have been very mean together. <laughs> so uh, who are you? What do you do? Uh, I'm Brendan Strzok. I am the founder of the Walkaway Campaign, um, <clears throat> the movement of people walking away from the Democratic Party. And um, sort of, uh, you know, what's going on in the world right now is is uh, relevant to my story as well because I also happen to get, get kind of ensnared and broiled into the January 6th thing which we'll get into I'm sure tonight um, and uh, I'd love to tell people about our new app Walkaway Social at some point. Right on. Maybe, well, yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's convenient. We always we, we periodically will have a guest who comes on at the right moment when something's breaking in the news, and and yeah. someone asked, they were like, "Did you book him in advance? Like the, all the J six <laughs> happening with Tucker, and then you have Brandon here." I'm like, "No, no, no it's just it's perfect. It's perfect timing." That's how it happened. So yeah, we also have uh, Hannah Claire Brimlow hanging out. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I have a piece up on TimCast.com in celebration of International Women's Day. It's all about the First Lady of Anti Feminism, Phyllis Schlafly. So. In two hours or whenever stuff's done, go check that out. Yeah, and, and perhaps in the members-only segment, we have this video of a woman crying because she's too old to have kids, mm. and she's talking about how she can't do without support, and I feel bad for her, but I think it's an interesting conversation culturally. So we got Phil hanging out, too. Hello, I am Phil Labonte, the lead singer of All That Remains, anti-communist and counter-revolutionary, and we also have my man. Yo, I am Surge.com. Pleasure, guys. Uh, take it away, Tim. All right, let's jump into this first story. Many of you have already seen the videos released by Tucker Carlson, but uh, I want to make sure we can remind you just just a quick bit before I show you what Whoopi Goldberg had to say about this. So we have Chuck Schumer, bald faced lie attacking Fox News for shameful use of January 6th video. Mm, how unfortunate. Elon Musk roasting them, which we'll show in a second. And then we have the actual uh, uh, more video footage showing exactly what happened in this tweet from uh, I just saw this uh, in response to someone. This is a. Uh, Tony Bag of Laughs tweeted, if you think Tucker Carlson is a liar, it's because you don't understand. Buildings have four sides. The Capitol is massive. One side was chaos. The other side had cops waving people in and assisting them inside. That's not punching cops and breaking windows. And here is a video showing police opening the doors and letting people in. The video footage released by Tucker Carlson shows you've got uh, the uh, Jake Chansley, the guy with the shaman ha uh, hat or whatever you want to call it being given an, an escort by police who attempt to open doors for him and show him around and then escort him to the Senate chamber where he then says, thank you, police. Now, in response to Tucker Carlson reporting on this, the media's gone nuts. The, the GOP establishment has gone nuts. Mitch McConnell's losing it. The Democrats, the media, that's all they can talk about. And Whoopi Goldberg had this to say. Why is it Wait, let's get the audio up. Can you switch the audio over? Is it good? Should be. 
Why, why is this not being scrutinized the way that they scrutinize other yeah. well, uh, things? It, because to me, this, is, this should be against the law. You should not be able yeah. to, lay, to lie to the American knowingly. And, you know, it's one thing if you made a mistake and you didn't know. But we heard for five or six years how, you know, the media was yeah. lying, sack of doom. They were fake news. Yeah. They were this. So how come? What is the, what is our, what do we do as Americans to, to say this is not okay? I You'd think have to say it's the First Amendment. Yeah. I think you, well, I, no. Well, the I First Amendment doesn't, doesn't allow you to willingly lie. Yes, it actually <laughs> oh my God. The First Amendment actually does. So, you know, I'm not one to care too much about the view, to be completely honest, but this does exemplify a serious problem that we have in that, yeah, Whoopi, maybe it should be illegal to lie willfully to the American people. And then I got to tell you, you'd probably be the one in jail. It certainly would not be Tucker Carlson, probably be more like Chuck Schumer. Don't get me wrong. A bunch of Republicans would be wrapped up in it, too. But no, the First Amendment does, in fact, allow you to lie. Yeah, because there is no arbiter of the truth when it comes to government, or at least there shouldn't be. But they're trying to make one. The scary thing about this is, and the reason why I think it's a good lead story, Tucker Carlson got actual video evidence showing, to be honest, a lot of what we already knew. There's so much video footage of people walking around. In fact, let me show you how Elon Musk responded to this. And I want to play you this video. So Chuck Schumer says Speaker McCarthy has held the gavel for less than three months. But by sharing the January 6th security footage with Fox News, he has already done more than any party leader in Congress to enable the spread of Trump's big lie. Elon Musk responds, do you want us to remove this video? And it's from Stephen Voiceover. I will now play for you this video, and I hope you have a good laugh. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the U.S. Capitol building. If you've joined us today for the insurrection, please make sure you pick up a promotional leaflet on the way in. Stay inside the safety cordons at all times. And if you get lost, speak to one of our Capitol Police officers. They'll be sure to point you in the right direction. Obviously, this is in jest voiceover showing video footage of people peacefully walking through the Capitol, staying within the, 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 the security ropes, asking police for help and being given help by the police. It's fascinating. It's all. Oh, there's a guy taking a selfie. He the video does show people climbing the wall, people walking in the building. Do you have a will or a trust? It can be scary to think about death, but not having a plan in place if something happens is far scarier. Thanks to trust and will, you don't have to navigate the complicated and confusing process of estate planning alone. They make it accessible, affordable, and way easier than you thought it could be. Trust and will walks you through the whole process step by step. Each will or trust is state-specific, and you can customize it to your own needs, including guardianship, healthcare preferences, power of attorney, and final arrangements. You'll have easy access and control of all your estate planning documents in one convenient place with bank-level encryption, and you'll reduce the burden on loved ones by helping them avoid complicated probate proceedings and family disagreements, all starting at just $199. Join hundreds of thousands of families and protect your loved ones with Trust & Will. Get 10% off plus free shipping of your state plan documents at trustandwill.com Tim. That's trustandwill.com Tim. The funny thing is, if you are, as the left would describe, a right-winger, whatever that means, you're probably well aware that there was violence on January 6th, and you're probably not okay with it. I don't know, some people probably are. But the left keeps saying, 
Tucker's fans and Trump supporters don't know about it. They're lying. And they're outright saying on TV they want it to be illegal to tell the truth because the truth is actually the lie, they say. But don't trust your your lying eyes. We can only just see the video footage from Tucker Carlson. Here's the issue. They don't watch it. They watch The Daily Show. They watch The View. The View and The Daily Show then lie about it, and they never actually see the evidence. So what do we do? I mean, like Whoopi Goldberg was almost onto something. She's like, it it should be wrong to lie to the American public. Meanwhile, she's not aware of the irony of what she's saying, right? Like keeping some information and then saying like, well, that's a lie. She's caught. She is like right on the cusp of realizing she's how almost getting it, almost getting it, but she's not quite there. Right. I, I, um, I mean, I am Have probably guys, not the one in the room to speak to this, but I think it's crazy that so many people will just deny this exists. Right. Like NBC's head ra- headline for this right now is like he's uh, falsely depicting the January 6th like, events of the Capitol. It's video from the Capitol. How could he falsely be be falsely right. depicting it? They're they're betting on people not actually watching Tucker no, Carlson, just when, seeing the headlines. When they say falsely depict, I really feel like it's just just saying that he's he's you know putting out a narrative that doesn't align with ours mm-hmm. because the video isn't doctored or anything. Right. It's not. It, they'll say it's selectively edited. Well, I mean, there's forty four thousand hours, so yes, it is selectively <laughs> edited because you have you can only put up so much mm-hmm. uh, material. But it doesn't change the fact that he's showing video of what happened on that day, but he's presenting a, a different narrative. And the the left just can't have anyone that doesn't fall in line with what they're they're prescribed narrative is it excites me so much to see that tweet where the guy made the point about the four sides of the building because yeah so i was actually placed on house arrest and i got out i got off of house arrest for january 6th in may of last year and literally within a week of getting off of house arrest i began doing media i was so anxious to get out and start talking about this and tell the story because nobody was presenting a counter counter narrative nobody and the first interview that i did was an hour-long sit down with tucker on um on Fox Nation. And this is the point that I was trying to drill home time and time again when I kept doing my interviews. There are four sides to this building. And unless you were on the west side of the building, which is the side facing the National Mall, you were not seeing people uh, assaulting police officers, scaling walls, breaking windows. When I arrived on the east side of the building, the two large Columbus doors on the east side of the building were already open. And people were saying, people are going inside the building you know so i walked up to the top of the stairs stood outside and shot a video for eight minutes they ended up arresting me fbi stormed my apartment handcuffed me took me to jail when i got out i found out i was facing multiple felonies and a misdemeanor i never even went inside the building on january 6th but when i got out i found out i was facing multiple felonies and one of the felonies against me was occupying restricted grounds it's peculiar because most people who went inside the building actually got misdemeanors of occup- misdemeanors of occupying a restricted building. I got a felony for occupying restricted grounds. But the point of this is that I'm considered an insurrectionist. I am considered a part of the deadly insurrection of January 6th, even though I was on the opposite side of the building. But people don't get this is what they don't want you to know. And this is why they've created these narratives in the plea deal. Every plea deal that you read from a January 6er is going to include language talking about how they knowingly did this and they did this with this intent and they were there to, you know what I mean? It's, and then they get to go to the media and say, well, we have, you know, a thousand convictions of people who have confessed that they were there to insurrect or to uh, to disturb a congressional hearing, to, to the, disturb the tr- peaceful transfer. 
power. Everything that I've heard about the confessions and stuff like that sounds incredibly Maoist. It sounds like they, they, you know, the the confessions that are given to the people for plea deals and stuff, because that's how you get a plea deal. You have to confess. Right. They sound atrociously Maoist. Well, they write it for you. Yeah. I mean, it's, 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 you, they write it, you sign it. And um, it's w- one of the tools that they're using to secure plea deals is this charge called um, felony obstruction of Congress. Now, this is a charge, they've never used the charge in this way before. Um, it's got some sort of historical context that has to do with uh, people intimidating witnesses in a case in the 1970s. But they, they bent it and contorted it and twisted it inside out to use it for January 6th to say, well, you know, there was a congressional hearing happening and it had to do with the transfer of power. So we're going to apply this felony charge of obstruction of Congress, which potentially carries 20 years in prison. So you've got, you know, felony for standing on the grounds and felony for this and potential felony of obstruction. of Congress. You could be faced. I was potentially facing three decades in prison or I could take a misdemeanor for disorderly conduct. I chose the latter and signed the plea deal. Yeah. It's crazy. That's what's going on. Do you find other people are coming to you saying, that's exactly my experience? Oh, 100%. I mean, almost every person I know who took a plea deal has shared the same experience of going into a very dark depression. Um, I actually just did an event at CPAC that we called the True Stories of January 6th, um, which was a panel event um, featuring Dr. Simone Gold, John Strand, uh, Jerry Perna, the aunt of Matthew Perna, who committed suicide, uh, who was also facing a misdemeanor charge, but chose to kill himself rather than go through with the rest of his sentence because the government came to him and said, now that you've signed our misdemeanor plea deal, which would have carried about a maximum six month sentence, then they chose to tell him, we're actually going to uh, request a terrorism enhancement to your sentencing. So now you're facing six years in prison, not six months. They told him this after he signed the plea deal. Uh, Jerry Perno was on our panel um, and Derek Evans. And uh, Derek Evans um, also took a plea deal and talked about how he, you know, he wept, he cried when he signed it uh, because it, it, it's devastating. Mm-hmm. And it's under coercion, really. I mean, all of these. I can't say that. But, um, you know, what choice would you make? I'll say it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I remember uh, I I often tell the story about how I got uh, uh, I got arrested for driving on a suspended license that I didn't know was suspended because in Illinois, when you're under the age of 21, if you get more than one moving violation, more than two moving violations within, I think, two years, they suspend your license. I got a bunk ticket from a cop who claimed I was speeding when I wasn't. Didn't have the money to pay it off or go to court or whatever. Didn't know about the law. And so when I get pulled over and get a ticket, I end up going to court. And the judge said, were you coerced in any way? And I said, yes, Your Honor. And then the judge freaked out. And he was like, what? By who? And I was like, the prosecutor threatened to go to prison for a year unless I pled guilty. And he goes, that's not coercion. I'm like, yes, it is. Yeah, it <laughs> Are is. you kidding me? It absolutely I'm like, is. I'm I'm out visiting my my family because because I got a brother-in-law who's in who's in Iraq and my my family's freaking out because they're always going to lose his life. I drive out there, drive back. Also, I'm getting arrested for a suspended license. I didn't even know because I wasn't even here and happened like a week ago. Now you're telling me I'm going to go to jail for a year over this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's coercion. Sorry. Yeah. And then he was like, "Go talk to a lawyer and come back." I'm sorry, dude. When a prosecutor goes to any person and says, 
We are going to give you the maximum, a terror charge. We are going to beat you and torture you. That's coercion. Right. We've got unlimited resources. We're the federal government. You're an individual of limited means. It's it's David versus Goliath. And we're going to hit you with all of these charges. Oh, and by the way, we won't transfer jurisdiction of your case. So you're going in front of a, a, a judge and jury who hates Donald Trump, who hates anybody who voted for Donald Trump. We're not going to let you be seen by a jury of your peers to make the decision. Or all of this can go away if you sign this piece of paper and take this misdemeanor plea deal, I'm which is so, um, we're still going to treat as an act of terrorism. I'm sorry to say, that, you know, to all these people, I keep saying we are inching closer and closer towards civil war. Maybe, maybe not. I'm, I'm not psychic. All I can tell you is all of the January 6th defendants, as you just pointed out, will be will be forced to go in front of a jury of people who despise them for no reason. Right. Who despise them because Whoopi Goldberg lied to them. Yep. Who despise <laughs> them because Jimmy Kimmel, because The Daily Show lied to them. That is a tribal cult. Right. And no matter what you present to these people in terms of evidence, the response is it should be illegal to show the truth. That's what they're saying about Tucker Carlson right now. Now, imagine after Whoopi Goldberg said Tucker reporting the truth, showing video of it and saying, just watch the video. She said that should be illegal. What do you think is going to happen when you go to court as a defendant and you go in front of these people and say they'll be reasonable? Here's a video of the cop waving me in. The jury will say, we don't care. Right. Fortunately, that one guy, Martin, whatever his name was, uh, went, went with a bench trial with a judge. And the judge, fortunately enough, said, yeah, the video does show a cop waving him in the building. So right. case dismissed. All charges dismissed. That's such a rare occurrence. That was Judge Trevor McFadden. Uh, he is a Trump appointed judge. He has a very mixed record. He's the only judge who has occasionally been reasonable in certain uh -huh. circumstances, but he certainly hasn't been consistently reasonable in a lot of these cases. It's like you kind of have to catch him on the right day, uh, you know, when he's had, I don't know, the right cocktail of whatever, but um, <laughs> it, it's not, <laughs> but it, I mean, that, uh, that's not how it is all the time. Um, praise, praise or praises deserve, deserve it. If there's a video of a guy being waved in and the judge said all charges dismissed, I'll give him, give him credit for that one. Right. Well, criticize him where he deserves to be criticized. I also know a girl, um, and real, I, I happened to meet her several years ago at a different function. She <laughs> made the decision to enter the Capitol on January 6th uh, through a broken window. Uh, so she crawled into the building through a broken window, walked around, didn't do anything while she was inside, but then exited again through a broken window. Um, her to she went before Judge McFadden, and her total sentence was two months of probation, um, which I thought was very reasonable. And I actually heard, um, I listened in, you, you, you can call in and listen. I listened to her sentencing, and I... I, I, the way he spoke to her was actually very compassionate. You know, he's kind of he was stern and said that she had made a mistake, but it was kind of like, go live a better life. Don't make yeah. stupid choices anymore. You know, and I thought that that was really cool. Now, in my case, I didn't go inside the building and I ended up getting uh, jail time, uh, house arrest. I'm still on probation for three years. I mean, it's but you didn't get McFadden. It, I didn't get McFadden. It's just it's such a crapshoot. And, you know, let's let's pull up this story because I'd love to hear your thoughts on it. It's from the Post Millennial. Stacey Abrams, not-for-profit, launches direct action against Cop City. This is Stacey Abrams, who some speculate will run for president. We'll see. Encouraging people to join Stop Cop City, the hashtag used by the terror organization, the terrorists, some who are not even from the United States, who firebombed Cop City and uh, were charged with domestic terrorism. So here's what I find fascinating. We have... Whoopi Goldberg saying what Tucker Carlson did in publishing proof of the lies from the Democratic Party and the establishment, the corporate press, saying that should be illegal. My question is, 
How come no one in the mainstream press, none of the Democrats, and we know the answer, of course, but my question is, if, if we're trying to uh, approach it logically, to ask someone who is not discerning or doesn't understand, how come they're screaming J6 while far left extremists are firebombing Atlanta, Memphis, and this uh, police facility, this government facility, when you have foreign individuals joining this group and firebombing equipment and attacking cops with explosives, they're talking about something that happened two years ago. Right. There's an insurrection going on right now. Okay. Stacey Abrams' organization is helping organize for the terrorists. They are literally charged with domestic terrorism. Right. On more than one occasion, they have been charged with domestic terrorism. And Stacey Abrams is helping. And a Southern Poverty Law Center lawyer was arrested among the terrorists. <laughs> and the spokesperson for the SPLC posted in support of the of the terrorists. Right. That is not in the mainstream narrative. No. Honestly, I think that they actually don't see the things that they do. It's not even necessarily that there's a double or an intentional double standard. I think that they legitimately don't think it's a crime when they do it. I think that the the because most of the time, when the, is this about racism? Is this about social well, justice? It's, it, the, 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 the government is building a large police training facility. And so they want to, oh. they, they, they've burned down private buildings, private homes. They've burnt, they flipped the guy's truck over and torched it. These are private citizens. Right. It's, it's just it's just overt terror, political Ost- terror. Mm-hmm. Ostensibly, I, the argument that they give is because it's a um, is environmental. They don't want to cut down the trees. Well, not and, not and, completely. It's a, it's a mix of things. You you've got depending on who they're talking to, they'll argue. Oh, they're trying to deforest. That's the one. Then I they'll say, the oh, it's, well, it's because cops are racist. <clears throat> oh, but it's because of police violence. Want to defund the police? <clears throat> so it's just basically, you have a national banner, Antifa, international. To be honest. They have uh, killed people. Mm-hmm. They've been expanding, and it's it's nowhere to nowhere to be seen. No one cares. Right. This, this, this is the warning I have for everybody. When Stacey Abrams can have an organization advocate for and support overt terrorism, I mean, come on, like they're literally breaking into a government compound and setting equipment on fire and torching it. And there's people from France and Canada who are along with it. Like this is these are foreign individuals in the United States attacking government property. When that is institutionalized, defended, or outright ignored, like, I got to say, it sounds like you're losing. The right is losing. If Antifa can and has gotten away with murdering people and burning this stuff down, I mean, as an institution, as an organization, as an idea, <laughs> where, 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 where is any kind of counterance to this? So what, what I mean to say is Aaron Danielson gets shot and killed in Portland, 30 some odd people in the summer of love riots. Mm-hmm. Yes. Some of those people who committed those murders have been brought to justice, but as an ideology, Black Lives Matter and Antifa have still not gotten this degree of scrutiny that January 6th did. Not even close. And if you remember in 2020, I believe it was in St. Louis, when that mob of Black Lives Matter protesters went to a gated community. They broke the gate down, they rushed inside, and a couple came out on their lawn, the the McCluskeys, and there's that kind of iconic imagery of them holding their guns, protecting their property. We all know how that that ended up. It was the McCluskeys that ended up getting arrested. It was the McCluskeys that I believe ended up being charged and, and, and... ended up being the enemies and the villains in that case and what's interesting is like on a sort of macro level it's almost an identical situation to what happened at the capitol i mean you had a mob of people go into an area where they weren't supposed to be if the mccluskeys were like the capitol police protecting the building why are the capitol police the 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 victims in the january so which you know by the way they are but like why are the mccluskeys the villains for protecting their property in that situation i warned everybody in 2018, 
I said, sooner or later, these far left extremists will come to your home and the cops will sit there and say. These last few years have not been easy on our economy. And with tax season finally arriving, there will be millions of hardworking people and businesses that could struggle even more due to the IRS working against them and pocketing profits for themselves. America First Tax Group can help put an end to your worries. Just one phone call to 800-431-5684 and you'll be in touch with America First Tax Group, a full-service tax company that'll fight the IRS's predatory tactics and put you on the path to financial freedom. Their experts can help you or your business with any tax-related problems you may have, from dealing with your back taxes to granting you access to tax relief and much more. Don't wait. Get in touch with America First Tax Group today by calling 800-431-5684. That's 800-431-5684. Or visit AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. Again, 800-431-5684 or AmericaFirstTaxGroup.com slash Tucker. It is easier to arrest the homeowner than it is to deal with a riot. Yeah. And we've seen it on multiple occasions. The McCloskeys are a good example. They break onto private property, onto the actual lawn of their building, yeah. and the McCloskeys, who own legal weapons, come out brandishing them, saying, get off our property. The McCloskeys are the ones who actually get criminally charged. Right. You have this story out of Milwaukee where they, these, these BLM rioters who had burned down someone else's house, or, or I should say set someone else's house on fire twice, show up in front of his house. He brandishes a shotgun through his window. The cops come and arrest him in his own home. I'm sorry, man. Like... Maybe I'm completely wrong to say civil war, and it's more like the revolution is happening. It's been happening. It will continue to happen. And sooner or later, you will own nothing and you will be, well, (laughs) you'll be very unhappy. But don't worry. The government will give you pills or they'll flog you unless you say you're happy. You know, um, after I got arrested and got out of jail, you know, I started reading the eight page press release that the FBI wrote on my case and, and, and submitted to the media. And then the 30-page sentencing recommendation that the government created on my Class B misdemeanor. And in it, they went through my social media and pulled a great number of tweets and things like that to sort of substantiate, you know, this person's a a lunatic with violent tendencies and look at these things that he said. And they actually pulled a tweet where I said, I said, make your peace right now with the fact that we're in a civil war. We didn't want it. We didn't ask for it, but it's here. And at this point, you better kind of open your eyes and, and see what's happening. And they're like, you know, he's promote, promoting civil war. This guy is dangerous. And I had to kind of explain to them, number one, if you look carefully, I'm saying it's already here. It, it's someone else started. It is, it's at your doorstep. But number two, When I talk about a modern civil war, and I think when we talk about a modern civil war, we're not talking about like grabbing your musket and taking out to the streets and starting and shooting people. We're talking about debanking people, freezing people from being able to send and receive money, from being able to exist on social media or exist in the public square, destroying people's reputations. But that's all the precursor. The look at look at civil wars throughout history. It doesn't start with one day a guy walks outside and says, you know what? I'm just so darn mad at the president. I'm going to civil war. And then the people go outside with guns and start shooting at each other. Right. It happens because tensions between factions, either ideological, political, religious, or otherwise, start bubbling up to the point where people then say, I've had enough of you. You're dangerous. When you see roving bands of far left extremists going through cities and firebombing storefronts, this is how it starts. The way it starts is this. You will have a band of ideolo- ideological extremists. They will grow their ideology. It will, it'll, it'll percolate down through the masses throughout the entire country. They'll put up a banner. They'll identify each other. They'll recruit. 
One day, the extremists will commit very serious crimes. The police, the government, or locals will defend against those crimes, killing one of the extremists. The extremists will use that as evidence among their cult that they are being victimized and must fight back with violent force. Take a look at what happened in Georgia. Far-left extremists occupying a forest opened fire on police officers, shooting one of them. These people had burned down private homes already, literally torched houses. They were, they were under construction for sale houses. I'm not, I don't think people lived in there. They stopped a guy who was in his truck, a regular old dude, booted him out, of, booted him out and flipped it over and set it on fire. Ideological extremists. Then when the police get shot at, they return fire, killing one of the extremists. The corporate press and the activists then say the police assassinated one of our, our members, a peaceful Right. peaceful environmental activist was was brutally murdered by the police. And the Guardian was my favorite. They said the police provided no evidence that he was shot. The officer is said to be in stable condition in the hospital. He's like, okay, so the cop got shot by this guy. So we're at that point where there is no right-wing equi- equivalent to Antifa. No. The closest you ever got was Proud Boys. And the Proud Boys were so smart that when they got into a fight with Antifa, they walked up to the cops and said, here's my name and information. Thanks, officer. And the cops slapped cuff, cuffs on him and put him in prison for four years. Congratulations. The closest thing you can even get to any, anywhere near it is January 6th, which is, yes, a riot. Some, a lot of people in the front of the building violent. And then a lot of people on other sides of the building being let in. And what happens? The federal government pulls out all the stops to destroy anyone in any way associated with that day. If they can, if they can. Do you think it's hard for the public to believe that there can be left-wing domestic terrorists? Because I think back to all of the environmental groups in the 70s that wreaked havoc everywhere. You know, they were extremely active. They burned buildings. They broke into places. Like, it's actually normal for domestic terrorism to be perpetrated by the left. But it seems like because they were the party of, like, peace and love and hippies, somehow we, like, forget to say, oh, wait, they can also have extremists. I I, I think it's a combination of... Far left, far left extremists know they're lying. You know, we were talking earlier, I can't remember who said, they don't think it's what they're doing is illegal. They, they know what they're doing is illegal. They don't care. They think they are morally justified in committing crimes against other people. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Yeah. Maybe that's a better way to say it. Because that, I was going to give the same answer that I gave earlier, which is that most of the time that there's violent extremism that comes from the left, it's often some way rooted to some sort of social injustice, which often is tied to race. And anytime the topic of race is involved, it seems like anything goes and anything can be justified. I mean, you can literally loot and kill and, and beat people up and burn pe- and burn buildings down. And if people like us say, what the hell is going on? People say, oh, these people have been experiencing injustice for, for generations. Whether even when you're whether, whether it's race or whether it's LGBT issues or whether it's class, it's all or it's always a Trojan horse for some type of oppression. And it's always going to be moving leftwards. We live in the logic of Herbert Marcuse. You can read about this. Herbert Marcuse wrote it up in a, a an essay from the 60s called On Tolerance or, or Pure Tolerance. Um And essentially it says it's okay for the left to do whatever. It's consequentialism. It's just they're looking for a result, which is their policies instituted. And if their policies fail, that's fine because it moves the dialectic along. That's all it is. It's le- the the left is entirely built on a dialectic uh, a, a, a dialectic system. So as long as they can imp- uh, Im- implement their policies, they're fine with lying. They're fine with whatever with whatever means because at the at their core they're not liberals. 
They don't believe in in individual rights the way that we do. They don't believe that the rights that you have come from your humanity or from God or whatever. They believe that all rights come from the state. That means that your rights are just gifts. So there's no reason to argue about that you have the right for this or you have the right for that. You have whatever right the state says. I think those ideologies are not as relevant as a lot of people think. They're certainly wielded as a weapon to guide and and control these masses. But I I believe that the far left extremists are chaos and nothing more. The, the foot soldiers, soldiers yeah, but that. the people that are the people that are calling the shots, the people that I, are that I, are that are informing the ideas, that are writing the books, that 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 are teaching children. These I, people I, are, are are religious fundamentalists. About I, dis- about I disagree. Not totally. I, I I think that the reason they're going after kids with this gender ideology stuff and the far left stuff is literally just to destroy them. You don't have a child sterilize themselves if you're trying to create an army or to control a machine because you're cutting the you're cutting the root out from the plant you need. What what is what is the out the outcome of all of this will be the complete destruction of the West of, of American culture. In which case That's they the will goal. Uh, exactly. So there, 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 there's not going to be any kind of communist utopia. There's not going to be equality. There's going to be burning rubble and they won't be here. They'll be in China. So they use leftist ideology, in my opinion, as a means to an end. But if you actually had people f- adhering to a structure of this ideology, there would be a structure to it. However, what we end up seeing is there's no ideology. They change things on a whim. One day it's women's in, next day it's women with a Y. One day it's it's women. Now the, the joke is women plus. Yeah, women that, plus. that's a good one. Women plus. So if if there was a consistency to their ideology and goals, I would agree they actually believe this stuff. But 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 watching this stuff for the past ten years and seeing there is no start point and end point, I'm like, oh, all it is is a chaotic, destructive force that spreads and consumes and destroys. The the chaos is the chaos is intentional because, like I said, there like I said before, that happy people don't. Or, or like happy societies don't have a lot of revolutions. If you have a society that's working with people that have, that trust each other with a high trust society, where you ha- where you don't have significant amounts of of uh, economic disparity, and you have everybody feeling like they kind of have the same culture and the same kind of, or at least are are free to express their cultures, you don't need a revolution. You mm-hmm. don't need to tear everything down. But if you have enough people that feel like they are unhappy with their lives, they're unhappy with their station for whatever reason, whether it be because they, they believe they live in the wrong, they were born in the wrong body, or they believe that, that they live in a white supremacist society, or whether they believe that, that the man is the reason that they can't get ahead and it's, it's the rich people, blah, blah, blah. Whatever reason you can use to sow discord in the society is the intent and the goal because the discord makes people want to revolt. They yeah, want but, a revolution that way. But there is a, an inconsistency as it applies to uh, political lines because they they don't embrace the discord or the, the sense of oppression when it comes to issues that bother people on the right. I mean, yeah. If you go back and you look at 2020 again and, you know, Black Lives Matter and all the destruction that was done in the name of racial justice, but they can't seem to wrap their head around why anybody would become inflamed to commit violence on January 6th. So the question that I've always wondered is, and I don't condone the the violence of January 6th, I never have, but the, the question is, 
why is it okay to commit violence because black people, some black people feel like they're having some kind of experience in this country that is unsatisfying to them, but you can't wrap your head around the fact that there's an enormous group of people who believe that their election and their vote was being stolen and that they thought that a fake president was being installed through a stolen election. It's intentional hierarchy. There's the in-group and the out-group. The, mm-hmm. the communists, the party, like the Democrats, whatever whatever you want to call them. If you want to call them Democrats, it doesn't matter. But the point is, if you're in the in-group, they make whatever excuses for your behavior. If you're in the out-group, then you're, then you're not even a, a person. Like, right. We're, we, right. We li- we're going through a, like a, a Maoist-style cultural revolution. And if you go back and listen to Mao's uh, speeches or read his speeches, he talks about like the people and the, the democracy. And that's only applied to the, the actual people that are in the party. Everyone else is the enemy. And that's the dynamic that we have here. When the Democrats talk about we're worried about our democracy, they're talking about the Democrats and the Democrats only. When they're talking about, and everyone that's trying to destroy our democracy are the people that are trying to do things that the Democrats don't want. If you do things the Democrats don't want, that is destroying our democracy. When they say we, that is not referring to you. It's referring to them. Exactly. Exactly. Let me pull up this story. Let's talk about what the deep state will do if you come after them. I hate him passionately. Tucker Carlson unloads on Trump in text messages. What's strange? The day after Tucker Carlson releases definitive evidence that the J6 committee and Democrats and many Republicans and the media were lying, text messages get released, smearing Tucker and framing it as though he hates Donald Trump. The funny thing is, there are photos of Tucker Carlson laughing and hanging out with Trump. This is two things, a distraction and an attack. Mm -hmm. Stop people from talking. So when you search for Tucker Carlson right now, you'll see, uh, so earlier today, I'm doing research on all these stories. Tucker Carlson drops these videos. When I search Tucker Carlson on Google, what do I get? I get the text messages story. Something salacious to keep the left focused on. It's not so much for the right. The right's going to be like, yeah, Tucker can say that. That's fine. People on the right are more understanding and willing to accept that. Not everybody likes Trump, but they're going to try and win that argument. Tucker has done too much good. And there's going to be some people who be like, ah, whatever, who cares? But the left will now watch this instead of the J6 footage debunking the lies from Democrats. Yeah. Well, I think Tucker effectively became a J6er this week in a way. I mean, it's like the media is now, I think, going to start treating him the way they've treated every person who's been arrested on January 6th and everything that they put us through. I mean, again, when I got through my house arrest and I started doing media and telling my story for a long time, I mean, for like almost a year, I was like the only J6er out talking and sharing my story. And they have beaten the hell out of me. I mean, honestly, in many ways, the worst part of my J6 experience happened after my sentencing. Because when I started talking about it and I started making clear that I was not going to allow this to destroy my career or my life, that I was going to come back from this, I was going to fight back, that's when they got nastier and nastier. And I actually, I keep saying, I think that the media, we all know that the media is what the media is, but they, they've almost become like they see themselves as a prosecutorial arm of the Democratic Party. Um, I mean, there were reporters from CNN contacting my prosecutor and giving evidence to my prosecutor and saying, like, you should you should think twice about giving him a plea deal. Have you seen this and have you seen this? When have you ever heard of reporters doing that? Yep. They're um, the vanguard. Yeah. yeah. They're the vanguard trying to usher through, usher the proletariat through the revolution. Yeah. yeah. I think there are so many progressives who go into journalism to be 
uh, activists. Really. Absolutely. They're not there to just present stories and give you a fact and let you draw a conclusion on your own. They want to control the narrative. And unfortunately, it's something that they've been able to do on all fronts, right? Yeah. Journalism is not about truth. It's about their truth. So when you were incarcerated after January 6th, can you talk about, about what that was like? Because you did the um, display at CPAC, was it the year before where you CPAC had, Dallas. Yeah. Yeah, in August. And I don't know if everyone knows what it was, but there was a jail cell. Right. Yeah, so I did essentially a performance art piece at, C- at CPAC where we erected a life-size uh, prison cell, eight by eight. I mean, the only difference is that... Uh, it had bars in our, an actual prison cell like the J6ers are being held in is concrete bricks and a metal door where uh, these people, many of them are in solitary confinement and have been f- for years, uh, which is insane because that's I mean, I was look, I was in there for two and a half days. OK, like it was. And in that two and a half days, I was also not let out. But by the time I got out after two and a half days, like I, I was. I mean, like my my nervous system was like on fire. Mm-hmm. I was like, "Get me the hell out of here!" If I had been there for two years, like these people Which are never going to be okay. Many people are still in. Yeah, the they're never going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Like the, these people, they're they're going to be gone. Like there, there's no way a person can survive. And that. they say they're doing this for their protection or like what's the justification on solitary confinement you know? i i think that they put them in a special ward which they have said is for their protection protection but they um i mean there's all sorts of excuses that they can use they can say oh covid or maybe somebody tested po- positive um i i don't know the justification necessarily for it going on as long as it has um i know that they're being treated horribly i mean there there have been beatings one person i we keep hearing lost an eye i don't know if that's literal or if he was just blinded or what happened, but apparently he had the hell beaten out of him. Um, you know, food that's being, you know, served to them inedibly and, you know, destroyed. So they, they, they don't have access to their lawyers, calls with their families. Um, it, it's really pretty horrifying. Yeah. But so I was kind of trying to draw attention to that cause. And unfortunately, because the right wing media uh, overwhelmingly is so cowardly and afraid to even talk about January 6th or touch this, which is another reason why it was so difficult for me to get as my story out as much as I wanted to. Um, very few in the right-wing media actually covered my performance art piece at CPAC, which, by the way, was actually amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was actually amazing. I, I don't... Cool and different. Like, yeah. No offense to CPAC, but, like, you need new, fresh things. Yeah. I, and when I say amazing, I don't mean, like, I'm amazing. It was What I mean is that we had hundreds of people lined up to mm-hmm. see it because what I did was we erected a, a life-size cell I put on an orange jumpsuit and a MAGA hat, got inside it, and I kind of like sat in various poses, not saying anything and not interacting with the audience. I allowed them to come. They could talk to me. They could pray. They could do whatever they wanted to, but I didn't interact. All I had was a chalkboard on the black wall, and I would keep getting up and changing the messages to say things like, where is everybody? Why am I alone? What, you know, things like that. And then we had audio. Yeah, I was going to ask about the audio component. Yeah, so we had 20 or 30 wireless headsets, and people could come, and they could put the headsets on, and while they were kind of looking at the visual, which was me in the cell, we had three different channels they could switch between, which were the voices of real J6ers telling their stories about being raided by the FBI, by being abducted, by being taken and put in a cell, and the charges they faced, mm-hmm. and what it was like going through the DOJ. It was very powerful, and people were like weeping and watching this. It was amazing. And then, of course, only the left-wing media was there, so all you heard about was this unhinged 
CPAC performance, you know, that was like a carnival. And yeah. at one point, Marjorie Taylor Greene did come inside and she held my hands and she prayed. And I mean, it, it, it was lovely. But a lot of people were unwilling to interact with what you had set up. Oh, no, no, no. I, from the audience, you mean? No, I mean, like a lot of uh, conservative public figures that might be at CPAC, like Marjorie Taylor Greene went up to it. But she did. Um, yeah, there weren't that many uh, like uh, you know, big personalities that came in were a part of it. But I'm even just talking about the media. I mean, it wasn't reported on by Fox News or Newsmax mm -hmm. or I mean, pretty much anybody on the right so the coverage was you know we just got dragged so hard with them just, except on twitter that's where yeah. i heard about it because yeah. i wasn't there that year and like twitter was in love with it or at least conservative twitter was like this i is must so have missed those tweets <laughs> see i got see people would t i wasn't on twitter at the time and people would text them to me and they'd be uh. like this is just unusual it's different and i think especially for you know conferences people don't expect yeah. performance art but I think so many people have questions about what happened to the January 6th people, right? right? Like, even if you don't agree with the violence and you you don't support it, you, there are so many unanswered questions that I think a lot of people want answers to. And that's why I ask, like, why do you think it's that uh, people can't grasp that domestic terrorists are left wing in America? Because for so long we've been fed, you know, conservatives have guns, conservatives are violent, conservatives are right. this, that, and the other, like look at Ruby Ridge, look at all these things. Like there is a, an idea that because they want to be left alone or you know they're more interested in safeguarding their own rights, they don't want to comply with this larger narrative that conservatives are the ones who we have to be nervous about. Well, but see, I, uh, 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 sorry, that's what I think is, um, uh, is great about what Tucker's doing is that he's, it doesn't erase the imagery of people who you know broke windows or fought with police officers. Of course not. And nobody's saying that. Like nobody's trying to rewrite the narrative and act like the violence didn't happen. What we're trying to do is provide a little more nuance and context here. And also to point out, just because a person got arrested or charged doesn't mean that they were a part of the let's overthrow the government gang. Why, so, why didn't Trump just pardon everybody? I can't answer that question. Time is our most precious commodity. And I've heard from so many of my listeners who have asked for my advice about how they can spend it wisely to improve themselves and the people around them. That's why I'm so excited that Hillsdale College is offering more than 40 free online courses in the most important and enduring subject. You can learn about the works of C.S. Lewis, the stories in the book of Genesis, the meaning of the U.S. Constitution, the rise and fall of the Roman Republic, or the history of the ancient Christian church with Hillsdale College's online courses, all available for free. That's right, for free. I personally recommend you sign up for Constitution 101, the meaning and history of the U.S. Constitution. In this 12-lecture course, you'll explore the design and purpose of the Constitution, the challenges it faced during the Civil War, and how it has been undermined for more than a century by progressivism and liberalism. The course is self-paced so that you can start whenever and wherever. Enroll now in Constitution 101. Our country needs more Americans who understand the Constitution and can defend the freedom of the American people against the encroachments of an increasingly large and unaccountable government. Go right now to hillsdale.edu slash Tim to enroll. There's no cost and it's easy to get started. That's hillsdale.edu slash Tim to register. Hillsdale.edu slash Tim. He should have pardoned a lot of people. Yeah. I don't know about everybody, but a lot of them. Yeah. Um, I suppose, how do you get everybody's name? How do you, how do you, you know, well, and like, put out a call like, hey, if you were there, did, send me a Right. And when did these plea, deal, plea deals get signed? When did people go to trial? I mean, I know a bunch of the Proud Boys were just on trial for the first time this year. Did he, 
can you pardon someone before they've been officially yes, charged? Yes, you can. I think you can. You can. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And so he just didn't do it. Do you yep. think he'll talk about it going? Like that's well, the thing about he this said coming now cycle. they should all be let go. He's the he he came out on Truth Social saying following the the release on of this truth. footage, ev- all of these people should be released. Yeah. Uh, look, uh, you know, I get very angry and very defensive about people making public statements about January sixth without effectively kind of like doing the due diligence or the work behind the scenes. Look, I can tell you, I have never been contacted in two years by any of these people who, and it's really frustrating. Um, You know, I have even heard Trump kind of give credit to certain members of Congress and talk about what amazing work they're doing on the subject of J6. And I'm like, no, they're not. Like, no, no, they're not. Ask any person who's gone through January 6th who's helping them. The answer is nobody. Yeah. Nobody's helping. Nobody's helping me. People affected by January 6th are helping themselves. So like when I went to the Proud Boys trial a couple in in January, I sat with people whose family members are part of this and they're saying like, well, we made our own groups and we found each other therapists to talk to and we found each other like resources because basically no one wants to talk to us about it. We can't get any media outreach. And also like we are really dealing with what the effects of having someone incarcerated because of this, like, like we have legal bills, like if we want to be in yes. trial and they're in trial in DC and we're from Nevada, right? Like we have to be here. We have to put our lives on hold somewhere else. Like it's an incredible burden, not only obviously on the people who are incarcerated, but on the other people who are affected by it. It's unbelievable. And I mean, the amount of money that it costs to go through something like this, I, I mean, it's, and these are, a lot of these are very poor people, mm-hmm. you know, and it's, it's not even a matter of, you know, well, this person should be paying their legal bills or whatever, but it's like, man, w- one post on Truth Social saying, you know, everyone donate to this fund. I mean, we could raise $10 million in 24 hours. Mm-hmm. And, you know, now everyone's actually got representation. Yeah. Uh, for, for the time being, a lot of these people have very liberal public defenders who hate their guts. I mean, they're literally J6 defendants whose lawyers are making them watch Schindler's List, you know, and, and, and things like that so that they can learn to be a better, more compassionate human being. Is that real? That's a thing that really happened. That's wild. Yeah. Let's, uh, let's jump to this story real quick. It's a, a rehashing, but, but there's some new details. The Daily Dot reported Matt Walsh lashes out a Daily Wire reporter who quit over his increasing transphobia. We're in a culture war, a cold civil war, burgeoning into a hot civil war, whatever you want to call it. And Matt Walsh is mean. So, of course, the left is really angry. The disaffected liberals are angry. Some conservatives, but mostly not really are angry, but some are. And uh, Matt came out and pushed back. The story that developed over the past few days is that one of the reporters of the Daily Wire resigned saying, you can't be so mean. We have this tweet here from Colin Wright. The journalist Christina Buttons went to work for Colin Wright's uh, publication on Substack, and it's uh, called Reality's Last Stand. And, and Colin Wright says, there is a critical distinction between frankness and inhumanity. It is the difference between delivering a harsh truth and compassion and lobbing insults with reckless abandon. It's the difference between calling someone morbidly obese and a, and, and a fat F. He says the actual word, though. This I'm tired of being nice mentality is dumb. I've never sugarcoated the truth to avoid hurt feelings. It's impossible to speak bold truths directly and without euphemism and draw moral lines in the sand while also not engaging in vicious name calling. It's not that hard. Uh, He goes on. But I think the point here is this is one of the reasons why I believe the right could lose one of the biggest weaknesses of the right. Everything we talked about uh, in the previous segments, you've got January 6th defendants who walked into a building where the cops opened the door for them and they're facing years probably end up getting a couple years like like uh, uh, like the, the Q shaman 
he got convicted, uh, sentenced to four years, and the video shows the police are actually escorting him around the building. But sure enough, that's that's all it takes when they lie. And now you have this debate among the anti-woke, anti-establishment about being mean. And there's outrage that anybody would be as mean as Matt Walsh. You know what Matt Walsh said? Did he call someone a fat F? Did he did he call them? Did, did he did he have deep, harsh growls and you sick disgust? No, he said. To one individual, you are eerie and off-putting, and people who look at you will find you pitiable. And that was over the line for it, everybody. It was a little more than that. That's it what was, he said. He said, you are eerie. Are we talking about... Uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Thank you. He yeah. made a video where he said, you are eerie and off-putting. I watched when it. When people look at you, they will see something pitiable. Didn't he also say you something about you'll kill yourself and your parents will be glad no, that you're gone? He never said that. That's he not didn't say true. that your he parents did not would, say I watched that. the video. Absolutely. No way. He did not say that. Did you guys watch the video? I did not. Matt Walsh did not say that. He said you have. Remo- you, well, you're making me feel like I'm having a blackout. There is a, I feel like I saw that. There happen. is a meme video from a 4chan post of Joe Biden saying your parents will be glad you're dead and they will bury you under your born name. Matt Walsh said you have destroyed. You have removed whatever it is that made you masculine, but you have not gained a commensurate amount of femininity. All right, hang on. Even if I'm wrong, just hang on a second. You're saying he did not say, make some comment about you'll kill yourself, and when you're gone, your parents will be secretly glad that you're gone because they'll be relieved of the burden that you caused them and the shame. He never said that. I, I'm Walsh. telling you, I remember did it in my soul. Did you watch a deep fake? Did you watch a deep yeah. fake? <laughs> that would be yeah. hard. No. Because we've talked about that before. Like, what if, because that, that script is like a... It's a four chance script. And I, I've that was heard it the the, the Joe, Biden G- Joe Biden one. And so yeah. like it would be interesting because how many have been on the show where I've been like the deep fakes are terrifying. If you yep. have watched a deep fake yeah, never Matt said that. Walsh. You're you're really sure he didn't say that. Everybody I watched, bring up the I watched Matt Walsh's show. <laughs> but I watched it. I that's wa- why he said he said you are eerie and you are off putting and people will look at you and see you as something pitiable. All right. And I'll I'm watch like, it again. That is the extent that we're calling mean. Also, I'm, I really hope you can find this video. I'm sorry to cut you off. Yeah, I, 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 I had so many opinions on this topic. And now you, I've lost all my confidence because I feel like I fell for a Nigerian scam or something. What I'm if just... you did? What if this is the deep fakes? <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Let me pull up the video. We played it on this show. You did? Yeah. Like, I'm I'm seriously worried about my mental we, health right now because I feel like I remember this. Well, and if you can hear it in his voice, he's got a distinct voice. I mean, <laughs> Dylan... If that is the most attractive you will ever look, then I don't even want to imagine what you'll look like when you're at your ugliest. You do not pass as a as an attractive woman or as a woman at all. Uh, even with 50 pounds of makeup and plastic surgery and clever lighting tricks, even then you still cannot escape what you really are and what you will always be. You have successfully shed Whatever parts of you were masculine, perhaps, at least on the surface, nobody would ever describe you as masculine or manly, so you've got that going. But your femininity quotient has not increased at a rate commensurate with the loss of your masculinity. Um, you may not be masculine, but you also aren't feminine. Instead, you are you are weird and artificial. You are manufactured and lifeless. You are unearthly and eerie. You are like some kind of human deep fake. That's what you are. You are a man deprived of all the best qualities of men, but without any of the best qualities of women. Even your personality is contrived. Everything about you is fake. Nothing about you rings true. Nobody buys the act. You'll never be accepted as a woman by anyone. Never by anyone. Even the people who pretend to accept you as a woman are only pretending because they're afraid of being lectured if they don't. 
or because they want to use you as a platform to virtue signal. But everyone who looks at you will see something pitiable and bizarre, something utterly unfeminine in every way. You will never be able to actually have the identity that you're trying to appropriate, nor will you ever be able to fully escape the identity that you're fleeing. The best you can hope for is some kind of limbo, the worst of all worlds. And yet, even in that limbo state, you will still be a man. Just not one that any of us can respect or take seriously. But other than that, champ, you're doing great. So that, that there, uh, he didn't raise Did it begin voice. there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was yeah. nothing before that. That's it. That's the clip. A heartfelt I, message. I, this I is what he, it's got 4.4 million swear views. I you watched a deep You fake. watched a deep fake, bro. Because what, uh, you, what, I, what no. you described is a famous meme. And they took a Joe Biden deep uh, video and they put that meme with a deep fake voice and made him say that. And what did Joe Biden say? So Joe Biden what said I, nothing. Yeah. Someone wrote this long post that was like very, very harsh and nasty towards trans people saying, you will kill yourself and your parents will, when they bury you, they will use your given name. And a thousand years later, when they dig up your, their, your body, they will find a, a skeleton that is distinguishably male mm -hmm. or something, or discernibly male. Yes, that was it. That's, that's a, <laughs> that's a, a 4chan post. That's like a famous 4chan post. I yeah. want you to find this video now. Like, I, because I kind of like believe that someone yeah, where would did take you see Matt this? Walsh I, into it. I, I, I don't know, but I remember I saw it and I thought I was like, I, I thought it was really awful. And um, I, it definitely made me feel a certain kind of way about yeah. him. But wouldn't this be interesting if it's like exactly what we thought was going to happen with deep fakes? Like they are making people, they, they are using all these headlines to then say, awful person said terrible thing. And then if you do happen to stumble across a video, there's a chance that it's not even real. But I feel like I'm like having that moment again, like in 2017, when I realized that Trump didn't mock the disabled reporter. I'm People like, oh, wonder, my God, that didn't happen. People See, wonder why everyone, well, why there's so many, so much hatred towards Donald Trump in the quote unquote, the plurals. Because people misremember things constantly. And when you are told things over and over, or you're told this is how you should feel over and over, you can't help but have that rub off on you. But it, in this case, I'm not misremembering. Like, I'm like, telling you, I saw it. What if you it. really watched this deep fake video, yeah. which is like a step above misremembering? It always bothers me when you get these articles where someone is like, uh, like the Hollywood Reporter had one we talked about on Pop Culture Crisis the other day. Uh, Roseanne Barr said had some tweets that were bad, and that's why she got kicked off her show or whatever. Mm. And they don't link to the tweets anywhere. The twinks, the screenshots of the tweets aren't embedded in the article because I guess they're too terrible to say. Which you know, while spicy, like I don't think that they were impossible to print. They were barely spicy. Which makes, she made a mistake about her, right? Yeah. Which makes me think that. They wanted to have this person uh, take all the heat, and now they are not willing, number one, to do due diligence and try and at least find whatever these offensive comments are to say, like, look for yourself, see how bad they are, which I guess they weren't bad enough. Correct. And then on top of that, you know, now they can just recycle, oh, well, this article or this outlet also said that she yep. said bad thing, and this one too. And so that's what's happening with Matt Walsh. If there is a deepfake video, I would, I don't even know, that would be hilarious because it's exactly what i have been afraid of with deep fakes this whole time yep bizarre yep but anyway to the point we have this ongoing debate now about whether or not we're being too mean and it's just it's it's very disheartening to see antifa firebomb a government facility and then these moderate types these disaffected disaffected liberals are like how dare matt walsh call someone unearthly Unearthly, that is a shockingly academic insult. Oh, I can't. Well, I never. 
I'm like, really? That's it? Come on. Do you have a, an opinion, though, about Dylan Mulvaney? Is that the name? Oh, absolutely. I don't, I don't think Dylan's trans. What? Yeah, I don't think Dylan's trans. <laughs> I can't have, I can't have my this? mind blown and I'm this right. many times. I'm, 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 I'm right. I am, I am completely right. What do you mean? I'm 100% right. What's happening? Wait, what's your Where opinion? I? I want to know that first. Then uh, I... Well, I didn't expect the conversation to go this direction. But I all I was going to say is that um, when I started first seeing Dylan Mulvaney videos, I thought um, he or she was uh, really annoying. Um, and, <laughs> no, I, I mean, just obnoxious. I mean, trans or not, I just thought this is an obnoxious person. But the conclusion of this is um, that I saw Dylan make a video basically addressing conservative, um, you know, the, the people, the people in the conservative movement who are, who object to who he, he she is. And um, I, I, I found it very compelling. And it actually, sir, I was like, I actually like this person. Let me, let me ask you something. How many women do you know go hiking in high heels? <laughs> well, it's, I, an, it's, an, it's an obvious question, right? Right. Because no, yeah. that's, that's a ridiculous caricature of yeah. a woman to wear high heels in the woods. Uh, how many trans people do you know go hiking in the woods? Me? Just one. Dylan Mulvaney. Because it's not a real thing. It's a sure. character being yeah. played. Now. Some people have argued to me that, no, no, Dylan's trans, like, you know, Dylan just got facial surgery. And I'm like, Madonna got facial surgery. Celebrities get surgery to be on TV all the time. Right. Someone who is chasing after Internet clout will certainly get surgery if it gives them more Internet clout. So I view Dylan as, you know, maybe Dylan will say that they're trans and, and say it passionately. But what I believe is. And I'm not a doctor, I'm not a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything like that. But looking at Dylan, I see a person who is a social media clout chaser who started getting traction for this persona, decided to do, look, trans videos and this kind of stuff gets a lot of traffic. Dylan embraces it. Boom. Views skyrocket. Celebrity skyrocket. Q rating. You know what Q rating is? The celebrity rating that they give you in Hollywood? Skyrockets. Getting to meet the president all through the roof. And guess what? You can't stop now. You got to keep one up in the game if you want to keep getting the views, the attention, the sponsorships. And this is what we're seeing with Dylan Mulvaney. That's why Dylan wears high heels in the woods. Not because it's something women actually do, but because he has to keep exaggerating and one-upping the psychosis of the character. And I talk about this all the time. When they first started writing about Donald Trump in 2015, they said, Trump made a racist statement. They get a million views. The next day, they write the same article. Oh, Trump made another racist statement. Nobody cares. We know, we know. Well, Trump made the most racist statement. Really? The most? What's this? Another million views. They have to keep escalating the story in order to maintain your attention. Otherwise, people get bored and they say, ah, who cares? I already know this is happening. I'm done with it. Dylan Mulvaney is a perfect example of this. The content has to get crazier and crazier. Otherwise, people lose interest. So if Dylan just came up and doing, doing videos being like, hey, guys, it's me again. I'm a girl. People would be like, so what? This is boring. So what happens? Well, Dylan says that they're a girl. Then they go out. Then they dress up like a, in a dress. They keep doing things to attract attention, which culminates in I'm in the woods in hiking heels frolicking about. <laughs> and it makes no sense. But and wouldn't then that be tr- surgery. But wouldn't that be true whether the character was trans or not? Like if you, if you create an uh, uh, if you're a social media influencer who creates a character and your character is your claim to fame and your character is an outrageous character and that's what you do, I mean why isn't it not possible that Dylan is trans and has created a character that now has to continually be up? Well, I'll put, I'll put it this way: uh, Dylan is not gender dysphoric because the people that I know and have spoken with 
who have explained gender dysphoria. And there are many academics, scientists, many who have pushed against the, the, the groomers, the, the weirdos, and the social media stuff, and the autogynephilia stuff, like um, the, the, the NCAA uh, swimmer. They point out that people with dysphoria don't like being seen that way. It triggers their dysphoria. So to have someone like Dylan intentionally going on camera and doing these things, it's like at odds with what gender dysphoria usually is. So you're, person, saying, you're saying when they when someone has gender dysphoria they and they feel like they're not passing, that triggers their dysphoria? Something like that. We are, I, I don't want to call anybody out and get anyone's personal business not by naming somebody, but we've spoken with some trans individuals who said this kind of behavior would be triggering dysphoria and creating anxiety and, and panic going out to millions upon millions of people in this in this way would be like very triggering. Dylan's doing something else. And I just think it's this simple. Look, yeah, for, for, for all I know, fine, Dylan's trans. But like this idea of hiking heels is not a component of a female or womanly identity. It doesn't exist. It's a it's a cartoon. I've never it's, had hiking heels in my life. Look, imagine this is the way I describe it. Imagine if someone put on blackface and started running around screaming about eating fried chicken. That's what Dylan is doing with hiking heels in the woods. It is a it is a mockery and caricature of not just women but also trans women. I mean, I think that's why the Barbie pouch comment got some Ex- people exactly. being like, "What?" Right. But but I, think about think about this. I don't know any women who use that term <laughs> or behave in this way. Run around in the woods in high heels, you'll break your ankle. But but also it's it's. For regular, for, for your, your average trans person who is trying to just live and get by and, and feel good about themselves, Dylan is creating this perspective of trans people that is psychotic. And the hiking heels is the perfect example, not to mention the Barbie pouch, the giving tampons to women in bathrooms. That is outrageous. And it's, it's going to create, and, and we see it. We see it with people like Matt Walsh. Like, I like Matt Walsh. But for Matt Walsh to act like Dylan Mulvaney represents trans people is the problem with Dylan Mulvaney, not Matt Walsh. Matt Walsh doesn't know better. He sees this. He sees it's propped up. He he sees the activists defending and he says, this is wrong. And I say, Matt, you are correct, but that's not what trans people are. I've never been totally, I've never totally understood why trans culture always has, like more and more I feel like it intersects with drag culture, which drag culture wasn't necessarily transgender in and of itself from my understanding of it i mean it's interesting to me that you know women my age women younger than me are really interested in like the clean girl aesthetic right minimal makeup and you know they wear their hair natural and stuff like that and like on the other hand if you are transgender suddenly you're wearing extremely high heels and you have really long nails and you have you know it's not all women don't wear makeup and all trans people do wear makeup but it's just it seems like there is an aesthetic nature that doesn't feel genuine it feels like you have to present this way to affirm that you are this identity it's like the more the more the trans person desires to be in the public eye the more they tend to uh be a caricature of what femininity is or or uh you know more like a the the ideal of femininity and if someone is looking to just pass and and live their life if they if they're like a what you would consider a normal trans person that doesn't have a job whether in the public eye they're just trans and they work their normal job or whatever then they don't need to have like the and this is just my impression but then it seems like they don't need to have like the i'm a woman turned up to 10 they can Mm -hmm. be like you know just kind of be a little more it's ironic, script, you know. It's ironic because these are the gender as a societal construct people. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. I I think Dylan is doing things to intentionally court controversy. Yeah, yeah. and it, and using trans as the vehicle to court controversy. 
because I guess the point I was trying to make is the people that we talk to on this show, friends of the show and you know people we've interviewed who are trans are like, we don't want to draw that kind of scrutiny and attention to ourselves in that way. Why would we? It's like scary. It's dangerous. Dylan's intentionally doing weird things, making tampon videos. Yep. Uh, what is it? Someone super chatted, normalize the bulge. Like these are these are shockingly <laughs> weird things that trans people don't do. I forgot about that. Right, right, right. So I'm like, listen, Dylan should not be held up as an example of what transgender people are like because it's not true. I do not think I think Dylan has found a vehicle to get attention and Dylan is a, a, a probably a narcissistic sociopath who is trying to get attention, likes and views and fame and and, that, and that's it. And and just like any other person like Madonna they will get plastic surgery to alter their appearance to fit the mold of what gets them attention. To stay yeah. relevant, yeah. Because if you look at the way Dylan behaves, you're right. And then you look at the, there's, you know, the trans people, the trans woman that works at uh, Media Matters, she's purely politics, right? She's t purely politically trans. Like, she's trans or whatever, but it's all about the politics. It's not about, like, any of the, the glamour, glitzy, blah, blah, blah. She, you know, she does dress like a woman and, and do, you know, do her makeup as if she was in the public eye. But it's not like the whole glamour thing that uh, that Dylan seems to be going for. So I, I think that, that, that you can really pick out, not really, but I feel like there are some trans people that you can pick out what the motivating factor is, yeah. you know, whether it be politically motivated for it, because there are people that are trans because they're politically motivated. One, you know? one day... Dylan's viewership is going to start to diminish because you can only go so far with, with any kind of content or show. Think about how TV shows used to be. How many seasons would you get before getting canceled? What was that? Um, what was that? Parker Lewis can't lose. We had Corin Emick hang, hanging out. And that's like, that show apparently was a big deal and people are big fans of it, but mm -hmm. it got, what, three seasons? So back in the day, you might be on top for a couple of years, then your show is gone. Some shows last a little bit longer. Maybe you'll get seven years and then it's gone. Hugh Laurie was huge when House was on TV. The ratings were through the roof and the ratings started going down and then the show disappears. This, this is, is no different. Attention cannot remain on somebody forever. You will not be on top of the mountain forever. You know, the Young Turks used to be the biggest independent media. Alex Jones was, but he got knocked down for, another, for other reasons, censorship. But the Young Turks have dwindled dramatically and their viewership has tanked from where it used to be back in the day. Same is true for most YouTubers. There will come a time where Dylan Mulvaney will start losing viewership and you will then see Dylan start making depressed videos being like, I'm a failure and things like this because the average person, this is true. You'll, you'll notice this right now. There was a post I saw on Instagram from Lex Fridman and he said something like, today I felt like a failure. So many people do sometimes and I wanted to let you know that, you know, we all go through this or whatever. Tons of comments were saying things like, I've been feeling that too. It's really funny. How many influencers, how many social media personalities seem to go through an existential crisis at the exact same time? And you know what that time coincides with? Ratings dips in the beginning of any year, yeah. particularly political people or, or cultural individuals who are doing culture, polit cultural politics and news after an election when viewership tanks. Now, I've been doing this for a decade. And when I, when I started doing it, I met Luke Redkowski, who had been doing it for five years before that. And first thing he said to me was, at the beginning of every year, views drop when you're in this space. And I was like, oh, wow. So for me, it's just a normal cycle. And then come August, October, views start going up. 
No surprise, though, you see so many people in the beginning of the year being like, I'm feeling down, I'm having a crisis, an existential crisis. Oh, woe is me and things like that. Well, it coincides often with a decrease in their viewership because they're feeling like, I can't get enough traffic. It must be something wrong with me. Right. That's going to happen to people like Dylan. It's going to happen to people like Jazz, Jazz Jennings and, uh, and Kim Petras, these, these people who are put in the spotlight for these reasons. It's not going to last forever. And then it's going to be really bad because for a child star or for any personality, you feel like you touch the clouds and then it gets pulled away from you. That's why a lot of these people get mad. But what if you get surgery? Yep. Sur- you, you surgically graft wings to your back so you can fly as high as possible to touch, this, touch the clouds. And then finally, when you fall back down to earth, everyone looks at you like some kind of, you know, disfigured or whatever. It, like it, that's a problem in the entertainment world because of people that that, you know, turn to substance abuse when the you know when the the love dries up or whatever so i i imagine that you know you're gonna see a massive massive wave of of suicides and and serious mental illness uh, problems from this episode is brought to you by abc station 19 is back for its final and hottest season yet Andy finally becomes captain, and she's going to give it her all to be the best leader this station has ever seen. Will she succeed? Get ready for fiery new romances and high adrenaline rescues. Watch the Station 19 season premiere Thursday at a new time, 10, 9 central on ABC and stream on Hulu. With uh, trans people at regret transitioning and stuff like that there's i feel like this is on par with like medical lysenkoism in the soviet union you know or with lysenkoism in the soviet union in that context it was with farming and agriculture but this is like the medical version of it where they're just using the ideology to push or they're just using the the ideology to push an agenda and you've got people that are going to be just absolutely destroyed later in their life well they're doing it when they're really young yeah mm-hmm. body count's going to be yeah they're doing know, it when they're young and Especially with Dylan Mulvaney, I think it's worth acknowledging that so much of this is happening publicly on social media that drives your dopamine, right? Mm-hmm. So if you are feeling alone or sad and you get validation for doing anything, right? Like they'd say with like uh, girls who get famous on YouTube for being like mommy vloggers. And then after they have a kid, there's like a rating shop. So they have another kid. And then like people come back and they're excited. Is that like, true? Yeah. yeah. I mean, <laughs> they get accused of this. I've never asked, yeah. asked one personally if that's what they do. But there's like an idea that like you get people who get famous for doing something and so they'll do it again or they'll adopt a baby or they'll get announce their engagement. So they'll do something it, to make them going. exciting again. What yeah. can someone like Dylan Mulvaney do after they already did their surgery video? Dylan Mulvaney comes out and says, I got surgery reveal. And then it gets a million views. But you can't do it twice. So I what? mean, but now it's the other aspects of life, right? Does Dylan Mulvaney get married? Does Dylan Mulvaney have children? Like, this will be an ongoing thing. But the to me, one of the biggest dangers is that your entire life is tied, like your income as well as your sense of self is tied to the internet, right? You are selling your private inner experience to what, get to go to an award show, have someone put you in a designer dress for the night. Like at the end of the day, you will naturally become less popular. And then what does that do to your mental health? What, What do you do when you've done you've pulled out all the stops and you've gotten all the surgeries and you've had the extra content baby or whatever like <laughs> what do you do when <laughs> when there's nothing left to do you have to have with grace the ability to detach and because social media is addictive in its nature 
you will always be searching for that new dopamine. Well, and it be, yeah, and it becomes your identity, I think, for a lot of people, too. But I still say that everything that we're saying applies to anybody, trans or not. Of course, of sure. course. I that, mean, that, it, that, it applies that, to Paris Hilton. It applies, you know. That's my point. Yeah. Madonna just got plastic surgery, and everybody made fun of Madonna. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Dylan Mulvaney got plastic surgery. And I don't think it's because Dylan Mulvaney is trans. I think it's because Dylan Mulvaney is trying to adapt to be something that will attract attention and generate likes and get views and make money. Build influence. Hey, look, how many people wish they could find the ticket to sit down with the president? And some people are sociopathic and will do literally anything. If they're told this is what you have to do, they'll say, "Okay, I'll do it. Mm -hmm. And there you go. Well, and that's Dylan Mulvaney. Madonna is a good example, too. She did that video on, I guess, a TikTok being like, if I miss, I'm gay. And she threw a pair of underwear like way far away from a trash can or something and then never addressed it. And for like a couple days, there's this buzz being like, is Madonna coming out? Like, what's happening there? Clearly like, not. She never addressed it again. So I guess she just wanted the views. Yes. Right. So, of course. How, I mean, exactly. So this seems like we are always... We, we are slaves to the social media trends and the media headlines, which makes it more interesting that uh, there are so many journalists, like I said before, who are actually activists who want to control narrative. And therefore, they're like, if you get into their good graces, your name will stay in the headlines, right? Yeah. If you do what they want you to do, then you get the attention you're craving. But it's not even just craving. Like, you are addicted to it. I would just like to say that the LGBT thing is not a hot ticket if you're a conservative. <laughs> <laughs> you going to advise Madonna? <laughs> well, I'm just saying it, it has not skyrocketed my career in any way, shape, or form. And in fact, I am deeply, deeply hated by the LGBT community. So, Well, not to mention there are a bunch of conservatives on Twitter even right now saying being gay is wrong and they don't accept it and it should be rejected and things like that. So it's not like the Republican Party is unified in support of gay rights. Right. Mm-hmm. So this is this is interesting about the modern culture war. And when the left says people like you are conservatives or whatever, or people like me are far right or whatever, they really have no definition of what that is other than you are not in their cult. Yeah. Can I ask you a question? Yeah, do anything. You, okay. Do you feel like as a member of the LGBTQ community, Ooh. transgenderism, <laughs> would you would you drop the T from the acronym? That's what I want to ask. Like, do you think as a gender identity, it should be included in the same community group as sexual orientation? Um, okay, so I... Uh, uh, I'm probably going to... I don't know. I'm probably going to get in hot water for saying this, but like, I, I have always been, I'd say, an advocate for what I consider to be legitimate transgender people, people with gender dysphoria who actually transition from male to female, female to male. Um, And I have absolutely, my personal policy is I have no trouble using the pronouns of some, if a male becomes a female, a female becomes a male, I'll do she, I'll do him, I don't care. I just, I have a problem with the spectrum. I will not do they, them pronouns. I won't do it. I don't, I will not accept non-binaryism as a a legitimate thing. I will not uh, accept gender queer, gender fluid as a legitimate thing. I just want, I I believe it's a, um, uh, you know, an identity uh, that somebody might just feel like, you know, that's, but it's not a real thing and I'm not going to participate in it. It's become harder and harder for me to defend the transgender community as the transgender community has become more and more absurd and caricaturish and insane and 
what have you. Like a couple of years ago, there were other gay conservatives that we were kind of debating and they were saying like, we really want to drop the T off of this. And I was like, come on, you guys. Like, it's like, why create this? Because there are transgender people in the world who like you were kind of saying earlier, just want to live their lives and be left alone. I don't want to participate in hurting those people. And I feel like it just hurts people to be like, you're not a part of, you know, you used to be, but now you're not. Um, but it's getting harder and harder. It, it really is. I mean, even for like the people that I consider to be legitimately transgender, because uh, it, 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 they're so lost in this mess at this point. I'm sorry, this you just wanted an answer to your question. No, this is great. Um, I hate the queue. Don't accept the queue. Uh, 100%. Let's let's cut the queue off and get rid of it. 1000%. Um, I guess I'm not there yet with the T. Um, I, I accept the argument that it's a totally different thing. Um, you know, a person's gender identity is not the same thing as their sexual orientation. I accept that. I guess the reason why for me it was never really like a thing that I felt the need to you know, make a clear line of delineation is that I think that most or many gay people have experienced some form of gender dysphoria mm -hmm. in their life. I did. I mean, when I was a little boy and I didn't understand complex human sexuality, for me, the feelings that I was experiencing as a little boy, it was easier to to um, to accept those feelings in terms of gender. So I knew I was a little boy who had crushes on little boys. I knew that I liked things that little girls liked. I would have much I would have been much happier playing with the girls than out you know roughing it up with the boys and fighting and things like that. I would have rather been inside playing with Barbies. And so I kind of identify with what that feels like to feel like you're a boy who identifies with girls. And then at a certain point, I did grow out of it and I probably at puberty. And then I realized that I was a gay guy, a gay man. Mm. Um, but, but I guess the point is that I can identify with that feeling enough that I don't feel the need to ostracize people who are like that. I feel like some people don't grow out of that. And for them, a gender transition is the right answer to feel like they are legitimately who they are. And I, I guess I just don't see the need to ostracize those people from the community because I sort of understand, I can it, relate to that feeling. It's, it sounds like if you were a little kid today, you would end up getting the hormone blockers and the surgery yeah, and that stuff. Mm -hmm. Probably. They, they, they put you through it. I mean, if I had had, um, you know, parents and teachers who wanted to um, embrace what I was going through and say, you know, we, we, we feel like, you know, we want to, uh, validate what you're feeling, yeah, things could have gone you know, horribly it's, wrong. It's crazy because it's actually a very, very fundamentalist view of how to deal with the issue of gender dysphoria. That's what they do in Iran. In Iran, if you're a gay man, they they uh, give you a forced sex change operation. Right. That's my understanding. And so what's happening now is really interesting because they're going to little kids who like social things. Hey, look, boys can play with dolls. Girls can play football, right? That's no big deal. Well, not anymore. If you're a little girl who wants to play football, they will tell you you are trans and you need the surgery. That's a really weird thing. Like, can't you just be a woman who plays football? I don't know what's, what's the... Exactly. Well, and that was what I was very poorly articulating a moment ago when I was talking about, like, the, the identity quotient of being non-binary or gender fluid. I mean, I was a kid of the 80s. And in the 80s, we had uh, Boy George. You know, we had Billy Idol. We had uh, all those hair bands and all the people wearing makeup. And... It was just sort of an expression. That's the word I think I was looking for. It was an expression, not an identity. And everyone accepted that expression. I mean, I'm sure there were some people who didn't, you know, had an issue with Boy George or whatever. But for the most part, people were like, they didn't really care. Yeah. But now people are like, oh, Boy George, you need to be trans. Yeah. You, know, you, you said this yeah. before that they, 
the, the party that is advocating for, you know, transition people earlier and earlier are the same p- party that's saying, like, don't believe gender stereotypes and give right. your daughters Tonka trucks and whatever else. Yeah. Except if your son reaches for a Barbie, then maybe you should be on alert for perhaps their puberty blockers. Like, yeah. Maybe your son socially likes to hang out with girls and who knows why that is. They're t- they're they're young. Like you said, like, I think there's so much rush to say, like, we're going to make these kids change and identify because we're we're trying to protect them. We're trying to help them. And like, I want to believe that's honorable, but like it has some intense consequences for something that you wouldn't do if in other circumstances. Right. But here's where I separate from, from some people on the right on this issue, because I, the left has gone way too far, way, way, way too far. And so I do understand that there is a bit of, I would say an overcorrection on the right, but I hear some people on the right say, you know, uh, like no children are transgender and no child is born in the wrong body. And I'm like, well, then where did all these transgender adults come from? <laughs> I mean, we definitely know that there are people in the world who believe that their gender transition was the right choice for them and that they finally feel like who they authentically are after they transition. Those people were children at one point. I'm not saying that you should transition a child, but I'm saying transgender adults were once transgender children. So that it really kind of can't be true. You know that... The, uh, uh, Male grip strength has dropped by what, like 80, 70, 70% since uh, World War II? I think the the embracing of plastics probably resulted in a rapid decline in testosterone and a massive disruption of the human endocrine system, resulting in weak and effeminate and masculine, weak and effeminate males and uh, masculinized females. So I, one of the reasons I think we may be seeing this big burst is the the expansive use of plastics, which we use for all of our food, and then we eat it. Women get pregnant and then eat plastics, which disrupt the endocrine systems of the babies. Mm-hmm. There were some studies that um, we've talked about on the show before, a birth control that women were taking, and then when they got pregnant later, it would masculinize the babies, and they tracked the women who got pregnant and found that like an overwhelming majority of their daughters were lesbians. Looking at a study like that, I'm like, there's probably a correlation between the things we are putting in our bodies that we know are endocrine disruptors and the expansive increase in the LGBTQ community. But you know the problem is? Well, that and predatory teachers. <laughs> no, that's for sure. You know, telling kids things that they shouldn't be teaching them. But I do think endocrine disruptors are playing a huge role. And the problem is when a human being is affected in this way and then they become an adult who can vote, they vote in favor of the way they've been affected. So if there is something that is damaging and poisonous to us, and then people vote to affirm that thing, well, you're going to get more of it. Could you imagine if people were voting to affirm mesothelioma like it was a good thing and exposing kids to asbestos, pulverized asbestos, so that we could explain, you know, so what's the big deal? Maybe they'll get mesothelioma too. It's like, look, if there's an environmental factor that's causing harm to people and creating depression and anxiety... We don't want to affirm that. We want to stop it and figure out what's causing it. Right. I think two big components. One, the social component, obviously, we're talking about. But I do think that phthalates, PCBs, et cetera, chemicals in the water and the food are, are causing a lot of it as well. So in that scenario, then, you believe that some that a good portion of these people are actually experiencing oh, yeah. gender dysphoria. Yeah, we, we, we've had this discussion. That's why it's so funny when these, mm-hmm. like, these cultists lie about what I believe. And say, like, denying the existence of trans people. And I'm like, I'm the one who's actually argued to many of these uh, activists, like with James Lindsay, for instance, saying, no, I think some kids are trans. I think there are kids who are born to mothers 
who were taking some kind of medication or had, and, uh, were sensitive to certain phthalates, PCBs, what is it, polychloral biphenols or whatever. And thus the child in the womb was, their endocrine system got disrupted in utero and in development. And then this kid is born with a more feminized men, you know, brain and mental state or, or uh, endocrine system and a masculine body. And that's going to create dysphoria. That makes perfect sense. I don't, I don't understand. And, and it's a societal problem. It's, it's a it's a poison that we've introduced into our food supply that we need to deal with. I don't understand why it has to be one or the other or absolute or zero sum game. So there are people who are like, no, no kid feels this way. It's not possible. And I'm like, I think a lot of little girls are being socially manipulated. Yeah. And it's because of Instagram and other social media platforms that they're feeling this pressure to fit in. So they're saying things they don't understand. Because I've heard so many stories from parents who are like, my daughter said that they were gay or pan or lesbian. And they're like, my nine-year-old daughter didn't even know what those words meant. Right. But then you're actually going to get, genuinely, in my opinion, more young boys and girls who are legitimately trans and experiencing dysphoria. That doesn't mean the treatment is surgery, sterilization, or puberty blockers. I don't know what the treatment is, but I certainly think there may be a physiological effect. It's not just social. And it may pass for a lot of people. Well, we know that depending on the studies you look at, it's from like 65 to 90 some odd percent that children desist. And once they hit puberty, they stop having these feelings. So if that's the case, shouldn't not, we, we should absolutely lean in that direction. Like, let's not use puberty blockers because most of these kids are going to be totally fine once they may pass puberty. Mm-hmm. Why it's, create more stress and anxiety for them? It's right. a trolley and, problem. No, in what way? Because if you, if you, the argument that they make on the left is, oh, if we don't have these, get kids to transition, they're going to kill themselves. But if you, if you transition kids that don't need to be transitioned and you do it en masse because of social contagion, you're going to end up transitioning kids that you're going to end up transitioning way more people than you need. And you're going to end up having more people with ruined lives than if you don't transition the few actual people that are trans that after puberty end up being actually trans. The, the, the high probability is that after most people that feel like they're trans in puberty once they go through puberty they they it desists and stops that's the 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 most likely course of action that's most likely what, what's going to happen so if you if you push everybody that has any kind of gender dysphoria into transitioning you're going to end up hurting a lot more people than you help yeah especially if puberty like the yeah. process of going through puberty is really what changed i mean you mentioned yeah. that like some of your dysphoria changed when you went through puberty if if the if the experience of the hormonal changes of puberty uh in some ways you know, is is the antidote to some of the discomfort and dysphoria that people feel preventing them from going through it is uh, sort of a problem in that case. Well, yeah. And I just think that, like I was saying before, when you're very, very little, you're not able to understand things like complex human sexuality. You know, you you see things in terms of boy and girl, mommy and daddy and things like that. And when you're having these feelings that, you know, your your innate kind of behavior, the things you're drawn to are more like mommy than daddy or whatever, then that makes you kind of feel like, well, maybe I'm supposed to be a girl. Maybe I or I want to be a girl. Mm-hmm. That's what I like. But then as you start to get older and you start to understand, well, you can be a boy and sort of have these sides of yourself that are maybe not like the other boys, but then the other sides, you are more like the other boys. And, you know, it's just, it's too much for a little kid to understand. When you have to learn, like when you're born, you have to learn object permanency. Like that's how how 
you know, complete, you have to learn literally How building blocks we are. Yeah, exactly. It's like, so the idea of a trans child is, or a trans baby or like, you know, like, it's like, come on, I can't, you see, you don't even see faces. You see blobs for the first like three months or whatever when you're actually born. So Well, and it's hard to think that these kids were, you know, let's say four, five, six, their parents start talking about it. They say, oh, I like, you know, I like playing soccer and I don't want to wear a dress or whatever it is. And they start saying, oh, maybe my child is transgender. That becomes the conversation in their home and they know that they are receiving a lot of attention. Exactly. Not that they are going out of their way, but that's being a kid, right? Yeah. Looking for attention, looking for affirmation from your parents. If your parents are saying like, it's something we talk to you a lot about and maybe you're, you know, going to see specific doctors or else, like it's hard not to then accidentally reinforce this thought like you are transgender and make it concrete before they are able to understand how complex you know the spectrum of human emotions are the Mm. understanding gender understanding sexuality like it's a lot to put on a child and i feel like it's too easy to let it run away even for parents who are trying their best to be there for their children yeah, in the in the like you said uh, about you know the way that children respond. It's in the eighties there was a lot, or maybe it was late late eighties or whatever. There was a lot of uh, uh, hysteria about children being molested, right? And it wasn't going on. What was happening was children were talking, or parents were talking to their kids, or authority figures were talking to kids that could barely understand what they were being asked, but they understood that if they answered in the in the affirmative. The parents and the adults seem to get excited. So when you're asking a kid, hey, did this, you know, did you, did you get touched? Did you get, you know, did they touch you in a, a place they're not supposed to, or whatever? Mm-hmm. Children that barely understand what's going on, they realize that they, but they, they couldn't understand the context, but they could understand that when they answered in the affirmative, that the people around them lit up and it's like, oh, I'm supposed to answer this way. Mm-hmm. And that's what you're teaching children, even though they don't understand the words that you're teaching. There's because there's so much more to communication than just the words that you're saying, you know? So to your point. No, it's hard. I think of all the videos of moms being like, my daughter said that she loves this person and they're, it's like a, you know, feminist icon or whatever. And you want to be like, but what do they know? What do they know about this person? If they love her hairstyle and they think she's great, cool. Like they're, they're a little kid. They're allowed to have their interests, of course. But, you know, are, if you're saying that like on some deep intellectual child, you're on some into, deep intellectual level, your child understands like feminist theory like i think i think you're wrong (laughs) i don't think that's true wyndham hotels and resorts makes travel possible for all whether it's the long haulers looking for a great cup of coffee a roomier rest for the on a whim road trippers or a place to make summer memories with the whole family no matter who you are where you're going or why with 24 trusted brands to choose from like la quinta days in and super eight your wyndham is waiting get the lowest price at wyndhamhotels.com restrictions apply visit website for more details All right, let's go to Super Chats. If you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share the show with your friends. And ladies and gentlemen, at uh, just past midnight, I will be officially 37 years old. It has been many rotations, uh, revolutions around the sun. And so uh, I really do appreciate all of the support and all of you who are members at TimCast.com. If you would like to support me or get me a gift for my birthday, I ask only that you become a member at TimCast.com, and in exchange, I will give you access to exclusive members-only segments, which we will have tonight. At around 10, 10 p.m., we will go live on the front page of the website. You click that link, members-only, live stream just for you guys. And the memberships, I got to be honest, too. You're noticing a lot of layoffs in the tech sector. Yo, the, the revenue drop is hitting everybody, 
and uh, ad rates are dropping rather uh, significantly. You'll notice that we didn't do any ads last month, and I think we have a couple this month, but less than we normally do. And I think that uh, that's one of the reasons why I don't want sponsors to be our customers, corporations. I want members to be. So we rely on you as members to keep the, the boat afloat. If you like the work we do, become a member, and that's what makes all of this keep running and all of our expansion uh, uh, programs and, and investment opportunities, everything we're trying to do. The coffee shop is currently in the works. We're going to start doing this um, investment or grant program where once a month we give ten grand to somebody who's going to be doing some kind of cultural endeavor. That's quite literally, for those of you who are members, when you, when you buy a membership at TimCast, I'm literally taking... $10,000 of that, and then giving it back to somebody who's going to be doing something that helps expand the culture and win the culture war. Because I, I, I legit mean it when I say, I don't, I don't care about big boats or mansions or whatever. I want to do stuff that wins the culture war and makes the world a better place. So I'm really excited for that. We were talking with Cash Patel, and uh, we're trying to figure out the best way to do it. Maybe I'll just write a check to some random person like, oh, hey, it's a cool project you're doing. But we want to do it in some kind of formal way and then make a show where we can promote the cultural endeavors of the individual. So if you want to help us with all the weird stuff we're doing, become a member. Can I apply for that for my legal fees? <laughs> well, we, it's, the, the idea is like we, to win a culture where you need culture. You need someone making music, making painting pictures, making art, doing ma magic or whatever, or making cartoons. Like if someone's going to do a comedy cartoon show or sketch comedy, like that's the kind of stuff we need more of. If we're going to win a culture where you need it. Can I tell you something we're doing? Can I what tell you your audience about it? Yeah. So uh, people may remember in 2018, I launched Walk Away Campaign, which is a testimonial campaign. People were making videos telling their stories about walking away from the Democratic Party. Uh, we grew to over 510,000 people in the Facebook group and had literally tens of thousands of videos and written testimonials on Facebook, pulled the plug, banned us. All the content was gone, uh, deeply disturbing and sick. So um, I've been working for the last two years and my team has been working very hard to build our own social media platform to relaunch the walkaway movement. It's called walkaway social. It's amazing. I really, really want people to get behind it and support it. Totally free to use, always will be. Um, but it's uh, it's available now in the Apple App Store. It will be available uh, for Android users in the Google Play Store, I'd say, by the end of the week. And people can also sign up on the web at walkawaysocial.com. But it's awesome. I mean, we already have thousands of people joining. We already have dozens of walkaway, new walkaway videos that have started in just the last couple of days since we launched. Um, and it's really cool. And I think people are going to enjoy using it. So I want to encourage people to get on Walkaway Social. Right on. Let's read some Super Chats. Thank you. Steel X Wolf says, hey, Tim, you should pay attention to what may happen tomorrow at University of Buffalo. Michael Knowles is going to speak, and it's getting pretty tense here. Similar thing happened a few months back. Shout out to Michael Knowles. Uh, he's doing good work. They're lying about what he said, of course. He said he wants to see uh, transgender ideology eradicated from public life. He then he literally says the ideology is bad, blah, blah, blah. And they're trying to make it seem like he's calling for murder or something, which is just absolutely not true. He's talking about gender ideology. All right. Agamemnon's gym bag says the narrator on DeSantis's video sounds like they are straight out of South Park. Did you guys see what happened with DeSantis today? No. no. He did a, a presser exposing the, the book ban hoax where he played a video showing what was in the books that have been banned. It's not books, it's porn. And the imagery was so like graphic that local news outlets turned their cameras off and tw <laughs> Twitter censored the video. Yep. <laughs> he couldn't even show the news. The news was like, whoa, whoa, we can't put a picture of full, like full on dude on dude intercourse. Like 
Yo, some of the images in these books, I I, I can't even describe. Like, because it's like, you get censored. Like, the YouTube will lose their minds if I explain what's in those books. When the Florida Don't Say Gay lie began, um, I started getting, re- I was totally on DeSantis's side and I was kind of, you know, out there sort of advocating for the his bill and what they were doing. Um, but and I started getting reached out to by conservative parents and saying, you know, talking about some of these books that are in the schools. And one person was saying to me, it's got images of this and this and this. And I, you know, look, I'm a conservative. My audience is conservative. But every once in a while, somebody reaches out to you and you're like, OK, dude, calm down. Like, that's not happening. And um, and I, I kind of pushed back and I was like, I, you know, come on, that sounds pretty graphic. And she was like and she started showing me pictures and she told me the name of the book. So I ordered the book on Amazon and I was I was like deeply ashamed that it had arrived at my house. Yeah. Um, no, it wasn't that. I'm trying to remember right now what it was called. I own it, but it was shockingly graphic. And I mean, they they have the illustrated images of two men in bed together and two women in bed together and, a, and an image of a naked woman spreading her vagina self, self over uh <laughs> thank you uh a, a mirror and stuff and i'm just like and th- this was like in an elementary school library yep shocking yep i've become a, right. per- a pearl clutching conservative that's <laughs> ah, I'm like why they said shocking it must feel weird to get that at your house when you're like i don't know what it is i was I, and i'm on federal probation i was like great this is the last <laughs> thing i a gay man on federal probation ordering child porn essentially Let's yeah. uh, let's 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 read some more. We got this uh, from Pat Meadows. Is I could watch the View, but Chicken City is better. I, I gotta <laughs> say, I know to be to be fair though, the commentary on Chicken City is substantially more informational and entertaining and educational than the View. You know, when you watch when you go to ChickenCityLive.com and you watch Chicken City, you hear some profound stuff <laughs> like you know, and and that is more. It's better for the psyche. Better hens clucking than on the view. Well, the things you hear on the view are shocking and disturbing. At least with Chicken City, you can see chickens like, you know. I love Tim Tim Dillon's line on the view that there are many intelligent women in America, but none of them are on the view. (laughs) Well, one of the things we're planning on doing with the new studio space is creating some kind of morning show for women. And it wasn't my idea. It was a woman's idea who asked me, like, why don't you do a show where, like, normal human females are allowed to talk about the stuff? got your permission. That's good like. The view is so insulting to women and it makes them look bad. And I'm like, oh, yeah, like, that's great. We'll do it. You know, I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll put up a couch, a camera, and then we'll have some like, you know, I love moderate idea. moms want to talk about issues in the morning. Just do their thing. And I'm like, that sounds fantastic. It sounds like a really good. I think it'll make it'll be a big show. It's been tried before, but I, I don't think the chemistry's been right. It hasn't come off yet. I think you could do it, though. I, I mean, it's not going to be people. me. I'm, I'm just going to, we're going to get some of the. No, but you would be like the Barbara Walters of the situation. I wouldn't be on the show. We would just, <laughs> He'd just be the I've always wanted to do a we show. We would just provide some funding for them to do the show. Yeah. All right. Neglectful Sausage says, read the crying woman segment. What is the core function of slavery? The forced transfer of wealth from one group to uh, of people to another. Excess calories equals more babies. Goodly whites taxing, donating to Uganda and Peru. Runaway inflation for 50 years. Well, I don't quite understand what you mean, but I did a segment earlier. There's a video going around of a woman crying. She's 36, and she's like, I don't have time. I can't have kids anymore. I can't afford in, in vitro. I, I don't have a support system. It's too late. I can't have kids, blah, blah, blah. And it's like she's crying, and she's saying, I feel so bad for her. And I'm like, how many women are going to experience this in their 30s when they're like, holy crap, I was lied to. Like, I really want to have kids, and I can't. Yeah. It's too late or whatever. 
That's that's freaking to me. I wouldn't know. I'm a guy. You know, guys, you could be 80 and have kids. It's weird. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? But not not women. And so she's crying about it. I feel bad. I think there are men who don't take potentially having a family seriously and do miss their opportunity. But yeah, physically, the clock doesn't run out for men the way it does yeah. for women. I no, it just runs out the, the ability to actually spend any time with the children. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if you're 60. Or find have, a partner to then bear children. Yeah, if, you, if you're 60 and you have kids, it's like you're, you're going to be, you know. If you're 60 and you're a billionaire, you're going to find a partner to have kids with. (laughs) But I I think that what you're describing, I I feel like that's there's nowhere that's more true than in New York City. I lived Mm -hmm. in New York for a very long time. And I think of anywhere in the United States, New York City has lied to women more than anyone else, because there's very much this culture in New York of like, stay a kid as long as you want. And I knew a lot of girls who became women in their 30s and all of a sudden it was like oh my god i've you know i've been living this like sex in the city lifestyle and the clock is ticking and my time has kind of come and gone and then what do you do at that point it sneaks up on you sneaking up on you 37 tomorrow 37 tomorrow in a couple hours technically you know if we want to break it down i am literally 37 years old because a few hours don't really matter all that much but my birthday is in a couple hours and that's true that's absolutely true i'm 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 halfway there and i don't got any kids but, uh, you know, there's private stuff going on. I'll just leave it at that. There will, there will be a family. It's happening. Anyway, let's, uh, what do we got? By the Fireside says, for the Culture War Shark Tank show, let TimCast members decide the winner of 10 Gs. Casting a vote could cost five bucks, and each contestant gets a portion of the generated money based on a number of votes received. Um, you know what we can do is, that's a good idea, halfway. Uh, maybe I'm interpreting this wrong, but the idea that TimCast members get to decide who gets the money is actually a really good idea and the easiest way to do it. So uh, actually, yeah, that might solve all the problems. What we'll do is we'll take submissions. We will then post the submissions. Maybe we can even create a form that posts them in real time. Like anyone can submit a form and it'll appear on the list. And then people can choose to upvote or downvote. And then whichever one's at the top at a certain deadline just just wins. Mm-hmm. And that's how, that's how we do it. So uh, the, other, the other cool thing that we're doing is... We are setting up a show called Poker with the Boys, and uh, we got, we're talking with uh, Clint from the Liberty Lockdown podcast to be the host. We'll see if we get there. Like, I'm, I'm pretty confident we're going to have this show, and the idea is Friday night after TimCast IRL, we will all go downstairs underneath the new studio where everyone's going to hang out and play poker and just, it's not really a show about poker. It's more a show of after hours hangout with, with beers and nachos and whatever, and everybody hangs out. Poker is kind of just the fun vehicle game everyone plays where they're smack talking each other. and But it'll probably just be another hangout podcast, less for, formal or whatever. I like it. The idea is, though, there's no buy-in because everyone's like, well, I don't know, you know, buy-in. I'm like, no, 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 no. Everybody will get a certain number of chips to play with, but the winner gets the Super Chats. Oh, so interesting. We, yeah, so whatever the Super Chats end up being, it's like whoever wins at the end of the two hours or whatever will, like, there you go, boom, you won right. the Super Chats. So there's still incentive to play. Yeah, there's a prize. Yeah. And then it's the incentive of the audience as well. If they want if they want to get people seriously invested or whatever, they can super chat. And then I think we we, we maybe do something with uh or I mean one one idea could be giving chips to people based on who super chats for them. That'd be uh, funny. Yeah. Oh, you get like bonus chips if someone like says like I'm Yeah, gonna... people could be like, No, 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 keep filling the game, keep filling the game and then they, <laughs> they put in ten bucks and be like ten bucks for Phil and then Phil gets like, you know, ten bucks in chips or whatever, keep him playing. I don't know, we'll figure it out. But uh, the idea is just to have a funny hangout, you know, where people, we'll have guests. Like I was talking to Cash Patel. I was like, you should come and play. And he's like, that'd be awesome. So you might see 
who, you know, whatever, Brandon being like, I have no idea what I'm doing, but playing anyway. And that would be what happens. Exactly. And it'd be <laughs> but funny. But then they keep giving funny. you chips. They're like, don't leave the table. <laughs> it could, we could do something like that. It'd be silly. But yeah, that's the plan. I'm really excited for that. All right. Logan Culver says, Adrian Curry is right. Soviet States of America. Adrian is, is like basically a digital co-host at this point because she's in the chat all the time providing commentary and every like. But here's the thing. She's chat mom. But every but she's she's a prominent personality in her own right. So she's here providing commentary in the digital portion of the show and everyone's really excited about it. So I'm, I'm it's an honor and a privilege, Adrian, that you're in the chat so often giving your thoughts and opinions. It makes people want to be in the chat. It's fantastic. All right. String band uh, band mama says Timcast IRL sucks ass without Luke Rudkowski. What the heck are you doing? <laughs> yeah, Luke, what is are you this, what are you doing? I thought this was Luke's super chat. This is him in disguise. It probably is Luke. Could be. He's he, Luke sitting there being like, "This is stupid." <laughs> Luke is the best. <laughs> well, you know, Luke left. chose to leave. And and you know, you know, uh, where's Seamus? I did Seamus' show just before this, and I was like, he was like, Jezebel misquoted me. They gave one of my quotes to Ian. I said, That's you right. should come on IRL and talk about it. He's like, oh, I will, I will. So that was funny, though. Very committed. Was it Jezebel or was it Media Matters or something? He said Jezebel, but I don't know which it was. But I think it was Jezebel. Yeah. They said Ian Crossland said this, and like it was this very conservative Catholic statement. I'm like, Ian would never say that. What the <laughs> I told Seamus that I thought Jezebel did it on purpose to annoy him. Like, they don't even want to have his name in print. So they're like, <laughs> well, we'll give it to Ian. This was really funny. Uh, he's, uh, he's sick tonight, I guess. I don't know. Oh, yeah. But this is really funny. Serious. Media Matters like put you. together a list of all of, like, the worst TimCast guests. And I was like, it's a best of list. Mm -hmm. But Seamus tweeted something like, I was a co-host on that show for seven months, and they didn't include me in the list. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like Seamus has said things that would that they they would absolutely use. You know, like he opposes gay marriage, for instance. Like, not they don't put him on the list. I don't care about him. They're yeah, not trying Seamus to validate him as a person. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm really excited. Tomorrow, Seamus is putting out a new cartoon. I'm I'm the voice of Dr. Fauci, so that'll be up tomorrow at Freedom Tunes. You guys are, should check that out. What cool. are, which What are other voices do you do for Seamus? That's it. Well, that's I, your, like, I, uh, but, you do a couple though. Uh, 99% is Fauci. Okay. It's the only role that Seamus will give me. And, but I've also, I've also voiced like Antifa guy. Okay. Who, who talks like this or something. I don't know. That I just feel like if I Fauci did. somehow fades what? into the background, like what are we going to do? He did. Do? And yeah. I was like, Seamus, come on, man. I got a, I got a good Nancy Pelosi. You know what Seamus I mean? is like, not good enough. You're not in. Well, it, oh, it, you know, the thing is that it one-ups Seamus and it, and it makes him look bad because oh. <laughs> I do a very good Nancy Pelosi. Donald Trump is the worst president. <laughs> and so, you know, he can't, he can't have that level of talent on his own show. On his own show, right. yeah. You know, so he's got to relegate me just to the, the Fauci voice. But I did a cop once and it, and it wasn't that good. Like the cop one. I don't know. I'm like, Seamus, you got to find my strengths, you know, like uh, Nancy Pelosi or Lori Lightfoot or whatever. Yeah, anyway. seriously. Come on, Seamus. What are you doing? All right. Kyle Miller says, can I get a shout out to YouTubers like Phil DeFranco that covered January 6th as the worst event in American history and now will not cover the footage released by Tucker Carlson? <laughs> nice. I kind of feel like Phil retired. Yeah. You know, like he was, a, like he was a big libertarian guy and he got to the point where he was like, can I phone it in? Yeah, that's what it looks like now. I mean, sounds like a good idea. Can I hire like <laughs> 10 people to just do all the work for me? And then, you know what? Here's what we'll do. Can I just AI deep fake my videos from now on? I may lose 90. I'll buy it, apparently. Just I'll lose 90% of the viewership, but 10% still good. Yeah. You know? And then I'll just be like, I'll type into, you know, 11 labs. No, I'll type into chat GPT, write a script of Tim Pool complaining about Chuck Schumer 
insulting Tucker Carlson. Then I'll copy and paste it to Eleven Labs. Then I'll just put it over an article, and then there I'm yeah, done. Yeah, there you go. Mission so. accomplished. <laughs> All right, let's grab some more super chats here. Anthony Curtis says, "Happy birthday, Tim, and many more to come. Have a beer on me." Well, I don't drink beer, but I will have a an Arnold Palmer. Very delicious, unsweet tea with lemonade. Thank you very much. Do you not drink? I don't. I, I had a little bit of wine. Like, I'm not like teetotaler or anything. You know, I just I just can't do it. We went to Never dinner. Never could? Oh, I used to drink a lot mm. when I was like, right before I turned, like from like 18 to 20, just on the weekends, we'd go party. But uh, nowadays, it's like I'll get a beer and be like, I'll have a beer. And then I'll take two sips and just be like, I physically can't drink this. Mm. I just can't do it. You don't feel good after drinking? I don't know. It's like, it, it just, there is... It is the opposite of thirst. Like putting this to my lips will be unpleasurable. I can't do it. I don't know. Just I can't. I haven't had a drink in eight and a half years. Oh, wow. wow. So yeah, good for you. So yeah, you know, I ordered wine with dinner this weekend, and I took two sips, and I'm like, that's it for me. I just can't. This doesn't work. It's been five for me. I think Congrats. it's five. Everybody stops drinking. Yeah. I noticed. Yeah. Yeah. People were tweeting to. about it. You had to. Oh, I bad had to. drinker. Yeah. Well, I'm a I, I'm a cocaine addict. So, yeah, did that bring the room we, down we had, to pick, we had to pick one or the other, right? <laughs> right. You, went with the, you picked the smart one. Well, the, I quit everything. You're like, I picked the thin one. <laughs> no, 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 no. I, I, I quit everything. I got sober eight and a half years ago. Good for yeah. you. Let's read this, let's read this yep. one. William Knowles says, how did rioters carry out the greatest attack on American democracy and they didn't even have F-15s or nukes? <laughs> I know, right? Like, yo, like, what was up with that, huh? That was, that was so weird. Mitch Altogether says, Tim, excited for the new song. Also, any thoughts on how to get my money back from Bandcamp? I opened up a ticket with them, but I haven't heard heard back. Oh, that's right. For people who bought the song on Bandcamp, wait a minute. What do you guys do? Yeah, how do you get the song? Bandcamp deleted our account. Bandcamp is like still ghosting you, right? Like they're just like not responding? I think I played a portion of the song before on Instagram. I'm Actually, I'm pretty sure I did. I wonder if I can play this right now. Oh, that's it. That's all you're going to get. No, no, no definitive conclusion. No feel good closeout. But that's what the song basically is. Yeah, I posted on Instagram like a year and a half ago, mm-hmm. a portion of the song. And we've kind of just been sitting on it forever. I keep for hearing reason. the title Bright Eyes like all the time. I've been wondering when it's coming. I don't Apparently know. Apparently never, according to Bra- uh, Bandcamp. We had because we, we have a whole bunch of songs that are like mostly to partly done and some that are done. And then when we started working on like the release plans, it takes a long time to get a song ready for release, and we want to do music videos. So this one just kept getting bumped back and bumped back and bumped back. And then finally, Carter was like, dude, we just got to put this song out. And I'm like, I agree. Yeah. You know, it's like I wrote 20 years ago as it is. And now it's being delayed even more. People are going to be like, it's like, like, listen to the 80s or something. All right. All right. Cage the Mick says, did you see the ba- that Baltimore is trying to prohibit anyone under age 25 from facing felony charges because their brains haven't developed yet? Wow. Well, did you hear that Sunny D is making an alcoholic seltzer? We just believe adults are children these days. <laughs> Wait, what? Sunny D, like the drink. Yeah. They're coming out with a seltzer. Ugh. Like an alcoholic seltzer. Okay. Oof. All right. Adam Brooks says, has China hacked Facebook? On March 7th, my girlfriend's Facebook account was hacked and her name was changed to Vo Hao Lin. Apparently hundreds of people's accounts have been hacked in the same way. Same name. All started at the beginning of the year. Well, wow. 
first off, that name is Vietnamese, but uh, that's probably what happened. You just got, <laughs> you just got hacked. It didn't, wasn't really China. Yeah. All right. Let's see what we got here. Legamathagayan says, what huge cohort of children will be spayed and neutered like stray cats because they were influenced by Mr. Barbie Pouch? Somehow the great moral outrage is that people aren't receiving his narcissistic Peter Pan delusion with open arms. I mean, this is the point. This idea that like Matt Walsh is being too mean, it's like he's not being mean to victims. He's being mean to perpetrators. Yeah. He is he's saying like the people who are influencing and causing harm should be called out. I agree with that. And I don't think he was that mean. It was this very, like, dadly, stoic, academic insult. You are eerie and unearthly. But like, what if well, everyone if else is seeing... you want to get insulting, seeing... bro, I can get insulting. If I find what I saw, I'm going to send it to you. Because I want you to see what I... Because if there is a circulating deepfake, and yeah, so, like... you got to figure out where you found that. Because yeah. we've all seen the Biden one, mm-hmm. and it is nightmarishly brutal. But maybe, like, the algorithm sent us Biden because of the other stuff that we read, whereas they sent other people the Matt Walsh one because they're like, we know you won't like Matt Walsh, and this will provoke a negative yep. reaction. I yeah. just want to see it with, like, a time stand or, like, a date posted because, like, anyone could make it now. But I'm I want to see the original. Yeah, I'm going to look. Megan Cole says, Dylan Mulvaney was in an ad for women's deodorant on my Duolingo app today. It was weird. <laughs> I just think that's a job that a woman has lost, right? Like, women are talking about, you know, not being in the workforce or having yeah. it problems there. And, like, w- what do you mean? Like, the, the women's deodorant campaign is Dylan Mulvaney. <laughs> Will Calicut says, just saw someone else in the chat mention this as well, but I'd love to see you bring Tom McDonald on the show sometime. I have spoken with Tom several times about a bunch of different stuff. He's, a, he's an awesome dude and uh, a tremendous talent. And uh, he has an open invite to come on whenever he wants. Uh, it's just an issue of he's a very busy guy. You know, everybody's, you know, it's funny. Ian will be like, yo, we got to get Brad Pitt on the show. And I'm like, okay, Ian. Get yeah, right we'll, on we'll, it. Yeah, well, yeah. He's got like, he has this, there's a post-it note. Or what, what does it say? Um, I've got one for Hassan by July. Right. It's like, okay, Ian. <laughs> How many? I mean, not to mention the political hurdles there, but people who host their own shows... Yeah. It's like, hey, stop doing your work and come do mine. So for someone like Tom McDonald, he's working on music, he's promoting, he's doing his thing. To ask someone to take time off to come here is very, very difficult, let alone the people who already do, like, you know, Brandon, the work you're doing. So it's for someone like Tom McDonald, there's a lot of people who are just, we can get them when we can get them. Otherwise, we'd have some, we'd have tons of these people on every single day. Yeah. Like, I mean, like Jack Posobiec lives down the street practically, and he comes on like once every other month. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We'd love to have him on every single, every, every day we could have Jack. But I think Jack's coming tomorrow, actually. Sick. Yeah. For your birthday? That's right. He better be bringing, like, keto cupcakes or something. <laughs> it was going to be uh, Matt Walsh. And I was uh, I was really excited. Really excited. It was gonna be, oh, that was going to be a great, great show, considering everything that's going on. Does Matt but, Walsh uh, know he canceled on you on your birthday? Because that seems extra rude. <laughs> that's true. That's true. On my birthday. On your birthday. Wow. Matt Maybe we Walsh. should be mad at him you for wanna, being mean. Yes, right. You want to talk about being mean, Matt. It's my birthday. Right. And How you could you show do this up. to Tim? How could <laughs> yeah, you do this? Why are you this? being mean to Matt? I mean, why are you being mean, Matt? Why are you being mean to Tim? Like of all people, Bill, get on side. <laughs> We're mad at Matt. You know. Yeah. All right. What do we got here? Let's grab some more super chats. Uh, Carter Banks became a member. Oh, is that yeah. so? Carter, Carter, so you That's can him. so you can chat. Welcome, Carter's Carter. like trying to explain how you get money back from Bandcamp. <laughs> yeah. That's kind of crazy. People, we 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 sell we sell we sold a lot of the music on Bandcamp. And for people who want to be able to download the song, they can't. And Bandcamp is not responding to anyone's questions, right? right? So we might, we might, I'll just say this. If you purchased one of our songs on Bandcamp, I would recommend you contact them about 
the termination of the account because they took your money. Granted, they gave the money to us, but but I'm pretty sure a portion goes to them. And if you lost access to it now, and we, there's nothing in our music that breaks any rules about anything. No. At all. No. Like even Genocide, the song, is like veiled in its description of what's going on. It's like just a generic anti-establishment song. There's no overt statements. Mm-hmm. Will I'm, the People is just a story, and Only Ever Wanted is a love song. I'm confident there are gore metal bands on Bandcamp that there talk are. about like, yeah. you know, murder. Oh yeah, <laughs> like, but if everybody who bought us, bought one of our songs contacts Bandcamp, they might. Hey, look, maybe they'll come out and be like, you know what? It was a glitch, and we didn't realize what happened. It was administrative. And then thing. we couldn't hear you every time you tried to contact us. Well, you know, yeah, you're, you're just nice to them. And, I think this and, is crazy. Well, no, I mean, five times August also got removed, and yeah. was like, what the is going on? And it's like, oh, you know, then Bandcamp but, blocked them. Really? That's what Libby tweeted today. Oh, Bobby wow. Emmons tweeted that like oh, did they, they block got me? tweeted by Bandcamp. Like, this is very strange. Maybe Bandcamp. Uh, let me check. Because I didn't. I didn't check if Bandcamp blocked me as well. I saw that this afternoon, and I just feel like that's a very strange way to do business. Well, I think considering I have so many followers and have tweeted at him a couple of times, I wouldn't be surprised to find that they have banned me or blocked me. I should. I say they they blocked him. Is that what you said? That's what I'll find the tweet from Libby, but she had a screenshot. Uh, no, they didn't block me. Libby tweeted it? Mm-hmm. Weird. I think I retweeted Libby. Yeah. Let me see what we got here. Libby, where is the... Uh, she tweeted it today? Yeah, I'll find it. I'll send it to you. I'm looking through her Twitter right now just to see if I can... Oh, yeah. Look at that. Wow. Five times August tweeted. Oh, wow. Okay. So it really is banned camp. That's a, <laughs> uh, that's a good one. Good one. That's Saw an good opportunity one. and took it. Yeah. Good one. Equitability. Interesting. Well, get woke, go broke, Bandcamp. We don't need you as a platform. That's the unfortunate reality for y'all. So do what you got to do. But uh, they didn't send us any notices or messages or anything. Just the account is gone. It's gone. But uh, I have to wonder if there's a class action there. I mean, because we have thousands. I think we've got like maybe maybe 20,000 people or more. Maybe 20 or 30,000. Because over the it was two songs, two sales, like 30,000 people. That's a lot of people to be really angry, Bandcamp, about you taking away something they paid for. Mm-hmm. How am I supposed to get yeah. access to it now? Yeah. Hmm. With no explanation. Like, at least send out a generic, oh, we'll think about your request, but no. Yeah, let's see if we can muster. So the, the pre-sale link we have right now in the description below for the new song, Bright Eyes, is Amazon, which sucks because Amazon's not great either, but they didn't ban us. And I really don't think they would. All right. SKSNZ says, yo, Tim, how about a shout out for my political cartoon works at SK's Cartoon Chances are you've already seen some of them. My goal is to quit my job and do the cartoon full time. Uh, well, we got to get that uh, that that email thing set up for submissions to support these kinds of works. Yeah, we do. You know, get more freedom tunes. You know, more competition for Seamus. Yeah, seriously, more competition for Seamus. That's right. All right, let's grab some more super chats here. What do we have here? Chris says I have PCOS and one of the meds is an anti-androgen to lower my testosterone levels. My doc said I can't take it while pregnant because it will affect the baby. Interesting. Hmm. I wonder what the testosterone levels will do to the baby as well if it if it spikes. And that's a polycystic ovarian syndrome. Is that PCOS? Yeah, it's PCOS. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it makes uh, women produce more testosterone or something. Yeah, and there are complications with your uterus, like scar tissue and stuff like oh, that. Oh wow, brutal. It's very painful for women who suffer from it, and it can cause all kinds of issues. All right, let's uh, let's grab some more. John Forge says, happy birthday. I've owned the website, The House of the People, for over a decade. 
The vision is such a huge task. I'd love to work together and share ideas. We will, we will check it out. Thomas Sidebottom says regarding Bandcamp, this is why subscription services for entertainment content in general is a bad idea. If you want something, own it. No, here's the thing. With Bandcamp, you bought the song and then you clicked download. But let's say yeah. you want to download the song on a different computer or later because you paid for it. You can't now because they cut you off. So what did you pay for? There's probably a lot of people who bought the song and said, I, I paid for it so I can listen to it here on Bandcamp. I'll get it later. And now you can't. So uh, Bandcamp, what are you doing? That's interesting. I wonder to what degree that's a breach of contract. All right, my friends, if you haven't already, would you kindly smash that like button, subscribe to this channel, share this show with your friends and become a member over at TimCast.com. Click the join us button over there and we're going to have a live stream set up in about 10 minutes for the members only portion of the show. Uncensored, not very family friendly. And we really could use your support uh, because it's members that keep this operation afloat. And with that being said, you can follow the show at TimCast IRL. You can follow me personally at TimCast. Again, smash the like button. Brandon, do you want to shout anything out? Are we at the end? Well, we're going to the members only, but yeah, shout it out. Oh, that, that went so fast. Um, yeah, I just want to tell everyone once again, Walkway Social, we've just launched. It's amazing. You guys are going to love it. Please go to the Apple App Store and load the app. Uh, go to walkwaysocial.com. You can sign up and it'll be available in the Google Play Store for Android users, I think, sometime this week. It's incredible. Just go sign up and enjoy the Walkway testimonials and upload your own video, your own Walkway story. If you're a Walkway person, Walkway Social. It's great. Cool. Uh, I'm Hannah Claire Brimlow. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. You can follow me personally on Instagram at HannahClaire.B. You can follow me on Twitter at HC Brimlow. Uh, I did an interview with Seamus today, and it's the link's on Twitter somewhere. You should also follow at TimCastNews on Instagram and Twitter. It's the best. You can see, hear from me and all the other cool journalists. Thanks so much. I am Phil Labonte. The band is All That Remains. I am Phil That Remains on Twitter and Phil That Remains Official on Instagram. And Phil's in the new music video, too. I am. He has a little quick, quick appearance. Quick at the end, yeah. Come in and say hi. So yeah, check that cool. out in a couple days. And uh, I am, in fact, Waldo from the famous Where's Waldo series. <laughs> and you have found me. Congratulations. Your search is over. You Look can like find me again find at search.com. Yeah. <laughs> you can find me again at search.com on Twitter. Uh, yeah, have a good night. Thanks for hanging out, everybody. We will see you in a few minutes over at TimCast.com on the front page, members only. We'll see you there.